Of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again with a very, very special guest this week. We've got Tim Moody, who you would have heard on the Supercoach Experience podcast as well with those guys, but he's also, as of this week, the number one ranked Supercoach, moving into the number one spot this week. So when we talk about Supercoach All Stars, he is definitely one right now. Hopefully, he will be at the end of the season. But Tim, welcome aboard to the podcast for the first time, mate. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to uh, join you, man. I'm used to just listening to you solo, so it's nice to be able to have a conversation with you. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I mean, we should talk about you first because your season's a lot more successful than mine. But first of all, like, well done for jumping into first this week. Obviously, there's a long way to go, but um, you had a pretty good jump this week as well, didn't you? You had to jump quite a few spots to get there. Yeah, it was a pretty crazy jump, man. I um, scored 17.25. Um, yeah, I was in ninth uh, prior to that, so I managed to just skyrocket up to the top. Um, it was a pretty, pretty crazy round for me. I was just watching every game, just like with my mouth open, sort of, what's going on? <laughs> so good. But, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, as you said, mate, there is a, there is a long way to go and um, certainly not counting my chickens before they hatch. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it does show as well. Like, I don't remember too many times where there's been that sort of jump. Like, normally a lot of the time it's a bit of a grind. Like, even if you're in the top 10, to get up to that first place spot, it's normally a bit more of a grind. But I've said several times on the podcast this year, as I'm sure a lot of others have observed as well, that there's such big variance each round with the scoring. We saw it again on the weekend. I mean, like, I scored a 1,400 and I dropped... Um, a fair bit and that's normally a pretty big score uh, and then you've yeah. got you scoring 17.25 and I think that the top score was 60 odd or 80 odd better than what yours was so I mean it's just there's so many um, big swings week to week so you moving from ninth to first that doesn't happen very often either so are you finding the season fairly different to seasons past? Oh totally different man um, yeah I guess like it's just been one of those years where you've sort of had to adapt on the run um, there's always been these sort of like rules that people have sort of lived by in the past with Supercoach, like not trading keepers and, um, you know, uh, you know, sort of maybe even like just how we used to captain, like it seemed the safe thing was to use to captain a second row or a prop or something like that, you know, that was <laughs> going to get you a, so just this, um, yeah, I guess sort of just identifying and observing stuff and just making adjustments and stuff has sort of helped me out. But, yeah, like, it's very scary being up the top, man, just because, you know, um, obviously there's a few eyes on me, so I feel a bit vulnerable. But other than that, I mean, yeah, as you said, like, there's such large um, fluctuations in the score. And so, like, it's, yeah, it seems like any week, you know, you can just look at, your like, your leagues that you're in and there's, you know, some people, you know, 100 or 200 apart and then there's blokes 200 below you and you might be sitting on whatever, but, yeah, you can have a 200 variance below you and above you. It's just a crazy, crazy year. So what's some of the highlights of your your run towards first? What's What sort of stuck out to you this season uh, as far as, you know, differences that you think that you've that you've noticed that have sort of rocked you up, good moves that you've made, or, or just the season in general for you moving up to one? 
I think one of the quick things I identified and sort of brought up with the boys on our podcast was that um, pretty early into the year, I was like, I don't think the props much of a position anymore. And um, I was able to sort of spot that and bring in IPAP and eventually TPJ as well. So I was running sort of not actual props in the prop. Um, I think that shifted a little bit now, though, in the later part of the season. There's definitely more um, actual props that are presenting themselves that, are actual decent plays, maybe like 20 points per player that might have just sort of per round averaged me out a little bit better. But I jumped on Nico Hines at a, the bottom price at about 280 or something like that, um, which would look like about a two-week play at the time. But it just suited my budget um, to allow another trade, and it just opened up perfectly for me. So that was um, very lucky. Those are two really good ones because, I mean, they're ones where – and you see it all the time, right? Like, you'll see the team of the week, and not to discredit the run that you've made because it's phenomenal and you've made great decisions, but, like, you'll see it with some of the team of the weeks, right, where a lot of good coaches will look at them and go, geez, like, even guys sort of ranked five or 10,000, 15,000 or whatever that have good teams, you'll look at the team of the week and go, I've only got two or three that are really different to that yeah, team. Yeah. <laughs> and you just, it's those real small differences, and those are really good trade examples because... Both of them were quite controversial at the time. You know, um, IPAP and Hines, to start with, at the very beginning I was off because they were just a little bit too risky yeah. for me. Uh, and they're the type of trades where they cannot come off and you're burning another trade in two weeks' time straight away. And all of a sudden it's sort of four trades down for a decent amount of points potentially in two-week periods. But the upside of those ones, if they come off is obviously huge because you had a three, four-week jump in key positions on everybody else that started jumping on and getting massive scores out of it. So those are real risk-reward ones that uh, you're going to get on um, a very small amount of people with, but you're going to really get over the crowd on getting on them early. Yeah, I guess the other things that sort of worked out for me well was obviously I I don't feel like there's been too many rounds, obviously, than my... um disaster round 15 I think it was um that I got the captain wrong which was a massive gamble I went with Fafita over Turbo and that was just on a weird gut feel I've trusted my gut all year and that's probably my best advice to everyone is just to totally trust your gut because um yeah I mean that one didn't work out but you know with the IPAP thing um you know everyone was sort of you know you can't bring him in you know he's going to lose his minutes when Maddo comes back and you know, we don't know what his job security's like, but he was just passing every eye test. And like, when you're watching him, it's like, how can you leave him out? So I, I kept listening to people saying, don't do it, don't do it. And, you know, didn't do it for about two weeks. And then I was eventually like, I don't care. I'm paying overs now. And I got him at about 600K um, and was like, I don't care. I'm just getting him. He's a gun. So, yeah. And I think that was just like little things like that just was, was helpful as well. I sort of... um I think another main one was I sort of I stacked the the halves and five eight pretty early on, yep, um, and sort of went really light. In it's really funny I I sort of went very light in my CW uh, CTW for for a long time. I think there was about very early into the year I only probably made two trades in that position and just sort of rotated whoever I had based on matchup. That's really surprising. Like that's that's great. Like because I, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that that would have been the case, especially with the highest scoring with the backs. I mean, but it makes sense that you've made up for it a lot with those halves. And I, I'm always big on stacking the halves every year, so I love that. I'm I'm a bit surprised though with your centre wing. You managed to pull through. That's fantastic because I 
I, I was always looking at all these teams going big, spewing week to week, going, these guys have got, like, kissed on the dick with six centre wings in their side that yeah. have all just gone ballistic this one any given week sort of thing. So for you to be able to only do those couple of trades, that's really saved you big time because one of the big strategies that I think is viable but obviously can not come off and you didn't need yourself was you rotate different centre wings in for the runs. And, you know, you're showing yourself that there's, there's several ways to skin a cat, obviously, and to not bother doing that. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously, like, like I kept um, Staines for a little while just because I'm a Penrith fan, and, um, you know, I just think on the, on a Penrith back line, I thought, geez, he's got to be doing something. So there was a couple of weeks he let me down. I didn't play him every week, but I did get him on a couple of, on most of his good ones, I think. I think, I, yeah, I think I got him on all his good ones at the early period, but eventually I parted ways with him when it was time to start um, improving that position for me. Well, that's a good one to, to let everybody know about because you are a mere mortal because you got sucked in with the Staines train, so <laughs> that's always yeah, exactly. good. You'd still made mistakes on your trek to one this week, so um, I, I'll i take that one as my one win that I probably had over you all year. I didn't get Staines in, so I, I felt that I, I felt really good about that, but probably everything else I reckon you got me beat on. So let's. Uh, I, I normally do a bit of a quick review at my week sometimes as well, so my, that's it, right? my week was... Uh, Pretty bad. So talking about um, strategy, and that's the, the next part of the part of this that we're going to go into. So my week, I ended up having to make a really hard call, and it's a, it's one that a lot of teams are going to have to make. I could have gotten Payne Haas in, uh, and I would have had a much better week. I would have been sort of towards fifteen hundred, and it would have been a lot better. Um, and I could have made some other moves with that as well. I decided that I've only got four trades left. And I would have to sacrifice players down the track because I needed Angus Crichton in my trade plan. I needed Fafida in my trade plan and I needed uh, another fullback in my trade plan because what happened to me was what happened to a lot of coaches where I had a Teddy Turbo combo. So all of a sudden I had a Teddy Turbo combo at fullback. Um, I had one active prop and then my other two props were Paulo and Takiyaho who were both out. So I had no one to play at prop aside from Ryan James and I had no one to play at fullback. So I made the call to get Adam Dewey in at fullback, uh, and I was really big on him uh, when he first came onto the scene, like very early in the season. I ended up selling him, um, so I, I mm-hmm. bought him back because I, I think he's really good. I was happy with that. That's sort of saved my week, but I ended up saying to myself, you know what, I, I need the trade more than the extra 30, 40 points at front row, so I'm just going to play Ryan James. Play, pray to the gods this week that he somehow falls over for a try. <laughs> Did not did yeah. not did not help me praying at all because he only got 17 points or whatever. So that that sort of just killed me. But uh, it's it's coming to a point now where I think a lot of coaches like me are going to have to bite the bullet and just have a bit of a subpar week if they want to um, keep their trades intact. Because I was chatting to Luke, who's often on this podcast about it actually, because he was in a similar position to me, and we we're talking about it, saying you know the worst trades that you'll always make at the end of the year that just really burn you. Are the ones that you make under pressure just for one week, where you go, I, I need, mm. I, like, I need a prop this week. I'm just going to get whatever. It's not in my trade plan. I'm just going. Those are the ones that really burn you. And I, I said to him, oh, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm just going to sit and, and take my medicine for a week because I reckon I'll be better off. And I tell you, I, I felt like shit on the weekend doing that. But this week, as soon as open happened, as soon as I got over my drop, I was like, I'm so happy that I didn't bother spending that trade at prop because now I'm fine there. I don't want to waste any trades and I can do everything that I need to do. So bit of a tough week for me, but I reckon a lot of people got caught out this past round. Yeah, it's a great point you make though about the sort of 
that one week trade or um, just sort of how you feel pre-round and then after the round, like it's, you do sort of look back on yourself and go, why did I do that? You know what I mean? And you sort of just, it's show, it just um, requires a lot of patience sometimes. And obviously you showed that this week, which is great. And the, the one trade that you did make it, you know, you did nail that. So that's awesome. But yeah, I do agree. I think sometimes you've got to just um, work with what you've got. If you, yeah, I think if you really, if you're thinking about bringing someone in, if it's only going to, your only reason is for this one short thing is if you can create enough arguments against it, I think you've just got to, you know, every decision you make, just sort of sit on a fence yourself and sort of try create the argument for both sides rather than just trying to look for that confirmation bias to talk you into doing whatever feels good to satisfy now. Got to think about long term. Yeah, a lot of coaches think very short term at the moment, uh, and that's going to be the undoing as well. So that was in the back of my head too that I, I think that in the long term I can overtake some of the other coaches because people are starting to run out of trades now. And we, you know, we're only in, we, we still got a long way to go. You know, so there's still a lot of rounds left. So coming up to round 19, you know, you've still got ample 56 time. 56 more games. Oh, there you go, 56 more games. So it's a, it's a lot more games just to take a hit for a week. Because uh, I knew that I was obviously going to have Paulo and, and Takiyaho to a lesser extent that I could rotate in and play at front row forward and save that trade. So I, I'm I'm happy as that I did that. For everyone listening, what we're going to be doing for the rest of this podcast. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit of strategy like we normally do. And we're going to go through a few things in detail about trading and the run home again and chat about that. And then we're going to do a full round review uh, going through all the games for this week, including uh, buy, sell, pod options in each game, sit, start, and VCC options as well. Before I do that, I do need to mention our fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast, Topsport. Topsport are 100% Australian-owned bookmaker, one of the best in the business. They often have best odds in the market, not just for NRL, but for all other sports as well. I'm all over the Bucks to win the championship tomorrow, even though I'm a Phoenix Suns fan. <laughs> they've got over pretty good odds, about $1.56 at the moment, even on that. But they've also got a fantastic crew there that will service all your needs and if you are going to gamble make sure you do it responsibly but make sure that you do open your account with the all-stars promo code it is sc all-stars all one word open it with that that'll make sure they know that you're one of our listeners or take good care of you and make sure that you know about all the up-to-date nrl stuff and what you need get on top sport they are fantastic and let's go into our strategy chat now so talking trade strategy timmy we've got a lot of um, a lot of examples there from what I've just said as well with my train in the last week. But one of the reasons that I made that hard call was because I looked at my side and really needed depth. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb just looking at teams online on the various social media and going to say that probably most teams, I think, are in that sort of three to five trade range. And if you're in that three to five trade range, like I think that we just saw on the weekend, right, what can happen just in one any given round. You know, everybody had jumped on Alex Johnston and he was going great guns. He could be out for four weeks plus now. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're down a centre wing. And there's a lot of teams that only have four to five centre wings that they can play at the moment. Uh, so that's going to hit a lot of teams hard. Uh, it is also real, really good food for thought if you are doing trades that you weren't planning on or you are just chasing a guy that you can play now. Um then I, I think that it's better to wait and to hold the trades as much as you can because if you get two center wings going down, and you know my side's an example, you know I've had to trade a center wing and I've, I've got five that I can play at the moment and Alex Johnston's one of them, so I'm down to four. If I were to trade um, you know, some of my center wing out, then I, I would be in big trouble 
down the track. If this happened in three weeks' time and I was out of trades, I'd obviously be getting an AE, and a lot of people have got guys like Burbo that can come in with a five or something like that. So I think depth is really important, and I've said that the whole time, but it's not just building depth in your squad. Uh, it's also making sure that you've got yourself covered with just at least one trade up your sleeve as long as you can get through the next few weeks, just so if something does happen, you can move away from your plan and go, you know what, I, I was going to trade in uh, Angus Crichton, but I, I've, I can't do that now because I don't have a halfback to play, and that's much more important, and I've got a lot of second rowers. And you can deviate from your plan and, and, and save your team yeah. pretty much. So I think that that's really, really important for people the next couple of weeks with the, the three to five trades that a lot of them have. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, like what you say, I mean, um, with the AJ situation, depending on how many people, uh, how many trades people have, they might be, you know, keen to look at somebody else there, but, you know, might be only this round that we're um, about to watch where, you know, the, someone's gun halfback or their gun fullback might go down, and then what are you going to do? And if one of those guys goes down, then, you, then you're dead in the water, right? Because if you lose your fullback, like if you lose, like say, Tommy Turbo tears his hamstring again, like you're stuffed. If you don't have trades left to get another fullback and you're running one fullback, you're in big trouble. Yeah, I think so. I think so, especially if that, you know, other fullbacks, um, a fullback that might have the potential to get rested in the back end of the season. If teams have got their position locked up for the, you know, top four or if they, you know, can't make the top top four and a guaranteed fifth position, like a, maybe a Manly or something like that. And it was, you know, say you had a, a Ponga that got in, uh, injured and then you only had Turbo and last round they decided to rest him and stick, you know, um, Garrick back at fullback. You're going into the last round with no fullback. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely something to think about. But then there's also the other uh, side of it. You can just go completely hard at it, get, you know, you know your gun side together early and fingers crossed that, your players hold up and, you know, everyone else's fall over and you could be the lucky guy that just keeps getting it, getting the good luck. Yeah, and I guess with that as well, you can, if you are going to go hard, um, you can do that and, and it can come off, but I would suggest to people to really look at the BEs and look at when to do it in the next couple of weeks, when to pull the trigger, because there's probably, like, AJ's a good example. Like, you could turn AJ and a base nuff in your centre wing into two very good centre wings. Like, you could get, like, Nofo and Daniel Tupo or something like that just yeah. for AJ. And, like, if you're going to go hard and you want to do those moves, do it to get more players in, like, with that type of scenario, I think. Like, you want to have... You know, if you've got backups in every position, like two centre wing backups, two second row backups, and one front row backup sort of thing, and, and all your halves covered with backups and, and obviously fullback then I think you're okay. Like, you've probably got more chance of getting through. Uh, so you can just kind of go harder. But I think teams that probably didn't build depth, it's going to be harder for them to sort of do it because they're going to leave themselves a bit short. Mm. But it's a big run home, as you know, because you're, you're in one. So you uh, you've probably looked at the run home in detail. And I guess that was the next point. I'm really interested what you think about this because um, I think the other thing with the trading at the moment is... People are looking at player averages and they're looking at what they've done so far in the season. And for me, when you get to sort of the final third of the season, you've almost got to throw everything out. Like post-Origin is the time just to throw out the season a little bit and and look at what they're doing going forward because um, you've got someone uh, like... So you've got someone like Newcastle, for example, who nobody really would go near normally, uh, but 
they've probably got one of the best run homes out of anyone. So, you know, you can say that Ponga might be normally ranked third or fourth on your fullback scale, not someone that you necessarily wanted during the year, but even though he's going great, maybe, you know, you've got uh, Paps ahead of him and you've got Turbo ahead of him, and that's your dream combo. But when you actually look at Newcastle's run, for the run home, he's probably he's possibly going to be better than those guys. Um, and likewise, a Gutherson, who's been very, very good so far this year. Parramatta do not have a good run home at all. You know, they're they're quite tough in the run home that they have. So they're someone who, if you base it on what Gutherson, for example, has done for the duration of the year at the moment, you're probably going to be disappointed on the run home Gutho for the next seven rounds. Uh, likewise, guys that just aren't as good as him are probably going to outperform him just because of that run home factor. So I think that you almost have to throw some of the stats for the, the year so far out the window and, and have a look at who's got a really good run home when you're making these moves because that's not just going to pay off as far as, you know, banking on an Adam Dewey, for example, to average more points than a, than a Cameron Munster, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I've basically done. It's also going to put you ahead of the pack just on the pod factor because if you are right in a lot of that analysis, then... You know, a 4% owned Ponga versus, well, I don't know, a, a 30% owned Tedesco or something like that. You know, you're going to get a huge jump on it as well. So I'm really big at this point on making sure that you sort of look at the run home and sort of base a lot of your decision on that as well. Yeah, totally. I think um, it's really important to look at matchup. Um, I think that's something I've really tried to base um, a whole year around. A lot of trades too, whether it be like, oh, I like this guy, but... Oh, his matchup's not too good for the next couple of weeks. You know, let's just put him on hold for a little bit and we'll wait and see what happens once his matchup cleans up and, and becomes a lot easier sort of thing. Um, and I think, yeah, like a lot of people like to, you know, look to the past to try and predict the future, but uh, I don't. it's not always as simple as looking at... I think people look way too much at... And I was the biggest... Um, the, I was uh, the, the culprit of this, I guess, of just chasing last week's points and just, you know, seeing a guy do something, watching it and going, oh, that was mad. He's going to do that again. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or looking at the points and expecting them to and, and I see it every week, you know, just in different, um, you know, comment groups and stuff like that, that, you know, everyone's just always on last week's here. And I don't think that's the answer. I think that, yeah, you totally got to look at what do you think is going to happen? You know, you might look at a matchup and go, look, team, this team B struggling, you know, on this side, and they've got this guy coming up, uh, you know, on the left side, who's not necessarily that great, but let's just use two players. Let's say um, Dominic Young and and Ferguson. You might go, Dominic Young's no good, but maybe because Fergo's side, for example, have been having defensive issues, the Knights have a good run, you might be looking at someone like a Dominic Young. I'm not telling anyone to get Dominic Young. I <laughs> wouldn't do that at all. I think, yeah, definitely look at um, what you think's going to happen, not what's going to happen. Cause you just see it every week that the scores, unless it's like someone's going on a run, like an AJ or a Garrick or something like that on a run. One, for example, that I hear people talking about is Olam. And um, he had a great like, week last week. Go look at the rest of his scores. Oh, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said that to people throughout the entire season. And I don't... He's, he's one of those guys, his name crops up every time he has a big score, which is about every six weeks or whatever. You know, he crops up his, oh, Olam looks good. And it's just, it's not the case. Like, you really have to look at what they've done before. And I guess that's the other thing with it as well. Like, I do like your example. I know exactly where you're going, where 
you, you kind of, aside from the scores, you always got to throw the names out the window as well um, and not, mm. not do people on name value because someone like a, um, like a Dominic Young could dominate a Ferguson, even though some people, casual fans, wouldn't even know who Dominic Young was, you know, um, and, and, and stuff like that. But certainly um, you need to throw that out the window and just say, you know, it doesn't matter about the name value. Um, you just have to sort of get the guy that you think is going to have the better run and who's going to go for it. And I mean, yeah, so AJ is a really good example that we said before. Like if he comes back round 23, you're going to get the Panthers and the Roosters in back-to-back games. Uh, so you're almost going to hold him to potentially even just play him one game being round 25. So, you know, that sort of stuff really, really matters. Um, and likewise, there's some bad teams that have really good draws. So the Warriors have a really good draw. The Titans have a really good draw from here on in. And I mentioned the Knights have a really good draw. They're three teams that have really good draws uh, compared to some teams like Canberra who have got a really tough draw as well. So that's all, that's all really, really important. And it also can be important to look at some guys that you have when you're deciding who to sell. And say, you know what, I might hold that guy because if I have to play him, at least he's got a really good run. Um, Nikarima is a really good example. You know, Nikarima went to shit for the buy round. He'd been really good all before that, um, and he was on the bench last week. But he's starting again this week, and there would be huge temptation to sell him, and, and that's fine if you have to. But if you don't have to, like you're choosing between him and someone else, he's got a really good run at least. So to me, you sort of hold that guy if you do your homework because at least you can plug and play him in a good matchup if you have to plug and play someone off your bench. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I got rid of him last week, but um, now that he's sort of got his position back, you know, it's a little bit annoying. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I sort of, even though he was, I, I have had him for a while in my side and I just, even though he was starting to, continuing to score well. I didn't like what I was seeing, and I think it was more the the fact that Walsh was just sort of dominating the attack, and I just felt like he was a bit of a passenger, so that's why I dumped him. But, uh, yeah, I do think he's got a great run as well. Um, on AJ as well, like, I definitely think that, you know, if he's out for four weeks, it's probably a sell. But if you've got a, a lot of backup in your other positions as well, maybe you don't need to sell him. I do see what you say about um, if he does come back for those tougher games, you know, the the flip argument, I guess, that would be that if you're playing a tougher side, you're going to have to work to your strength to try and score, and that strength is that left side. So it's not like they're going to go away from it. It just might be harder for it to be as effective. But it's, it's a funny one. I just think it depends on everyone's different team makeup, and if, you know, you're just hearing everyone else saying, oh, you know, you've got to sell AJ, you've got to sell AJ, that might only just be because that's suiting their side because it, you know, funds something like that. If you if you need to sell a different player in a different position to get, you know, to fill, plug a hole in a different position, you can definitely hold him and not play him. I know it's a lot of money on the pine, but almost keeping anyone to a lot of money on the pine that you don't play, even if you're not playing them these days, because nearly everyone's um, 25 are pretty bumped up with the exception of maybe two to three cheaper guys. Well, that's the other thing with the people people's squads at the moment, right? And this is the other thing with the strategy too. Like, if you're going to trade guys in and not, not even play them hardly in the next few weeks that you buy them, you should really think about holding that trade, you know, because there's, there's certainly guys that come up where you look at their matchup this week and they're sort of, they're primed as well for a trade-in and you've had your eye on them and you go, right, this is a perfect time. They're bottomed out. They're playing the Broncos. But if you look at your side and, the you know, the two or three weeks after... 
you're probably not going to play him because the other centre wings, for example, are better or the other second rowers are better. Like, there's no point in doing it for the one week. You may as well save that trade and use it somewhere where you're really going to need it and where you're going to bring someone in and you're going to actually play him for a few weeks. Where you're going to bring in, you know, a Caitlin Ponga to upgrade from someone for his run and, and captain him some of those weeks. Like, that's much more valuable. Uh, and that's something that I think that teams don't, people don't look at as well. Like, I'll use a really bad example. Because, like the Dominic like, Young one? Burnt. <laughs> uh, not not quite Dominic Young, but he is very frustrating. Um, kick out, you know, I brought in for a few weeks yep. um, a while back, and you know it didn't really work out. He only averaged like fifty for me or whatever. It was fine. It was at the buy time, but he's still in my side. You know, and I'm looking at him this round, going, I'm going to actually play him this week because he's playing the Broncos, and that Broncos edge, he's going to kill it. I, I really like it this week. But you know, the weeks after that, I, I don't really like it, and I'm probably not going to play him. So I certainly wouldn't look at kick out this week and go, you know, well, I, I, I need a cheap edge that's going to, you know, kill the Broncos. I'll get kick out because you're not going to play him down the track anyway. And likewise, like I'm looking at my second row at the moment. Going, you know, which guys am I going to put on the bench that are going to outscore the rest of my players? Because that's that's always the case, right? Like I benched um, Tamalolo on the weekend. He scored 80 odd or something like that. And I also benched Kikau, who scored 95. Mm. You know, it's just it, you, you're often going to make the wrong decisions as it is. So there's no point in, in in wasting your last couple of trades if you're not going to play those guys that you're bringing in consistently. Yeah, well, speaking about Kikau, um, I've got him. <laughs> Obviously, he's uh, he's the team mascot of the Vili Army. Um, you have to keep him for the whole run now, certainly. Yeah, I said I was gonna. I said him for way back. I said I was getting him cheap. I needed him to. I felt bad the whole time he wasn't in my side, even though I didn't want him. I was, he was pumping out terrible scores. I needed to get him in there just for for fun. Um, now it's getting down to the serious business end of it. I'm like, ah. Oh. Uh, there's there's been so many times that he's been the guy that would make perfect sense to fund the the perfect trade, and I've had to find a way around it. And it's still I'm looking at it down the track. I'm going, I'm going to have to get rid of this bloke to keep him. And you know, the people that I'm thinking about getting rid of to keep him, just to keep him on my bench and not buy, is ridiculous. But um, yeah, I'm really superstitious with stuff. So I think if I got rid of him, even if I didn't play him some reason my season would get derailed. So I feel like he needs to be in my side. Well, certainly, you know, you can't change your team name at this point. So you've got to have, for the Billy Army, you've got to have Kikau right in there. And if you don't start him, it's fine. You can watch from the bench and cheer you guys on it, I'm sure. Oh, yes, he does. He's he's, he's a massive, massive, um, massive uh, sort of off-field player. Like, he's just one of those boys at training that just gives everyone a laugh. You know what I mean? He's always giving it. (laughs) And that's what, you know, really army, that's what we're all about here. Like, we like to have a laugh, but we like to get the job done. <laughs> well, it's working for you, so keep him on there and he'll be your number one cheerleader. Um, but l- let's move on to the games now. Uh, I think everyone's got a good gist for strategy at the moment for the trade home. Um, certainly holding your trades as much as you can, um, making sure that you're checking the run home and throwing out what people have done out the window at this point and looking at what they're going to do in the next seven weeks is really important. And also looking at whether you can, how often you're actually going to play them on the run. I think those are a few things that are really important as well. Uh, and just holding as many as you can, even if it means one week pain like I just had. But the round review, the the first game is the Eels versus the Raiders. And... This one is an interesting one. Um, there is actually like seven players out of the, between these two teams that, that scored 100 plus last week. If you count a 98 in there, we'll sneak it up to 100. Um, so there's a lot of guys that scored points in this last week. On the buy sell side, Tim, the first guy that I'm going to bring up hasn't been spoken about too much lately, but one of the troublesome positions is hooker. 
And Reid Marnie has come back with a bit of a bang. He scored um, pretty close to a ton on the weekend. He was at the 98-point mark against the Gold Coast Titans. Did it pretty normal for a Marnie um, big score. He only had 45 in base, but he got a try, um, got some attack with a try assist, I think it was as well. And he's only 504,000. Uh, and he's got a BE of 19 at the moment. So if somebody was going to be looking at a hooker for this run, and I think a lot of coaches are questioning that, uh, I think that Marnie's pretty ripe for a buy now, and he's pretty good for this Raiders matchup as well. Yeah, he, he looks good. I mean, he was um, a great option in the early part of the year, and then he just sort of um, sort of chopped his scores in about half, I think. <laughs> he was getting hundreds, and he started getting like, 40s and 50s and stuff, but great option. He he loves um he loves getting involved. He, like I mean, Braley just seems like he's just dishing off passes and making tackles at the moment. Last week he, as I said, like try not to chase last week's points too much. But if you like what you see from him and you think that, you know, you can see the potential going forward, I think he's a a good option. But he did have some other lower scores and stuff. I'm I'm a little bit confused what I'm doing with with the hooker position, to be honest. I mean, it's it's funny because like I think Marnie was killing it up until like round eight. He didn't. He had one score below sixty, and it was a fifty-six in his first eight games. And he had three tons in there: a one thirty-four, one hundred, and a one hundred one. So like a third of the time he was scoring a ton in the first two months. It was ridiculous. And then he went in and had a, a four-month run where he was averaging like forty-two, um, and then he. He busted out with a 73 at the bye, and then he was out injured. So he fell off the radar quite a bit. Um, but I do think it's a good matchup for this one. Um, he's at a good price point. I wouldn't go wasting my final trades. If I had sort of three or four trades left, I wouldn't be bothering if you've got a playable hooker. But if you don't have a playable hooker or if you've got more trades, he's averaging 73 for the year, and that includes a really bad run in the middle, and he's coming off a 98, and he's going to be playing the Raiders. So I don't mind him for this one um, if you have to get a hooker. But another guy that's a lot more controversial for this one in the buy and sell category, Ryan Madison. Now, everybody knows that I'm a Madison believer. I have been for a long time. It was why I was also hesitant on, on IPAP at the start, even though I ended up getting him in. Um, and obviously, around 14 and 15, Madison only played 54 and 59 minutes, and, and people sort of wrote him off and said, that's the death of him, he's gone. I ended up holding him and selling another second row because I was kind of confident we might get to this point. And lo and behold, he scored 135 points on the weekend. I thought he looked really good. I think he had six offloads. Uh, and that was the type of thing that we saw from Madison last year. We saw a lot of base attack where he had the offloads and tackle breaks. And they've sort of not been there, especially the offloads this year. But the last two weeks, aside from his 135, he also had the 70 the week before. And that had a 62 in rural base. And that was his best rural base of the year. And he scored, uh, he ended up playing 71 and 75 minutes the last two weeks. So it does look like he might have settled into a 70 plus minute role now with the rotation. And maybe he was just getting rested in that middle part coming back from the concussions and so forth. If that's the case, at 550k in a bit of a trouble, troublesome position in the second row, he's, he's not a bad option, it looks like. But obviously there's a the risk that, well, what if he reverts back to, you know, minutes in the mid 50s and you're in trouble? So where do you yeah. kind of see Madison from this point on for the run home? Well, I've got a real funny relationship with Madison in my side. Um, he like when we had him at the, I had had him to start with, and then I think it was like the, it was pretty much round one or two. I think it was round one, and I really didn't like what I seen, and I almost was going to sell him after round one. And I think he got was it he got to uh, the head knock in round two or round, round two. I'm pretty yep. sure. Yep. So I was going to sell him after round one. And uh, one of my advisors at the time, I think, might have talked me out of it. 
but I just was like, I just don't like him. And I, I wanted to get rid of him. And then he got concussed and I was real angry. I didn't get rid of him because it would have been a mad um, way to dodge that. Um, <laughs> but then I got him back into my side sort of purely for that sort of um, by planning for round 13. And he's been a real letdown for a lot of the a lot of the time, you know what I mean? He doesn't really get involved. He sits out there. He doesn't seem to do a great – like, you sit there watching, like, Papali on one side and him on the other. I'm going, how is this guy on one side making so many tackles and you're just out there managing to avoid making tackles, mate? Like, get involved. It's a weird one, man. Like, he, he showed some really good signs. So it's one of those ones where it's like, are you chasing last week's points or are you – um, do you like what you see? Uh, but also, he's got that really tough matchup as well. So we've talked about um, Parramatta has probably got one of the worst t- matchups. So that might be something you want to consider as well. Yeah, round 24 and 25 is really hard for Para. They've got the Storm and the Panthers for the last two weeks of the season. Um, so it's, it is really hard. I mean, they, there's no 135s in that game. There's no even 80s in that game, I don't reckon. Nah, so... there isn't. I mean, if you're going to get him, it's, it's, it is this week because he's got to be like one. Um, but he does play the Raiders as well, who I think they can put a lot of points on. So he, he could get involved. He scored three tries out of his last five games. So he certainly ramped up the attack and he certainly also ramped up his base as well the last couple of games with a 54 and 62 raw base. So he does look like. He's gotten back to where he was. Look, the Roosters match up is hard in round 20 generally, but he's playing his old club. We're not as good as what we, we used to be, so it's not even as hard as what it looked before. And you can make an excuse that, um, you know, the teams that he's playing in round 21 and 22 are hard, but probably harder for outside backs um, because he's got the Souths who I think their edges are a bit susceptible to someone like Maddo. Um, and, and likewise, I think Manly's edges can be a bit susceptible as well. Um, so yeah, it's... It is probably a harder run for backs. Like for Gutho, I'm pretty scared if I own Gutherson. But for someone like Madison, I don't think it's quite as hard as maybe the outside backs. Just one of those things you can consider. Would you rather have, you know, him going at, at you know, was it Bunnies and Panthers, you said, or Melbourne and Panthers? One of those one of those combos. But Or would you rather have, you know, another decent player that's going at, you know, matchups that might be like a Sharks and a... Yep. Bulldogs or something like that for the last two games. So I don't, something like that. That's a bit easy. I'm not going to say sharks and bronco, uh, dogs and broncos. I don't think you can get that match up to finish. But if you can, that's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd all be all over that one. Uh, I, I totally agree. Look, I think that um, part of his appeal is because sort of like what the front row forward spot was. The second row forward stocks have really dropped down. Like obviously for feeders return and Angus is there, but. Outside of that, we've had Tohu go down to a season-ending injury, and a lot of players are looking to replace Tohu, and sort of looking around, going, "Well, I got Fafita and Angus, and there isn't, I don't think, real clear-cut guys, which is why, you know, I think he probably comes into the equation. He's only 14% of teams, too. It is going to be a bit of a punt, you know, if people jump on him, there's a chance that he reverts back. I don't think that he does. I think that he stays on the run that he's currently on. You know, he probably averaged 70 for the balance of the year, I would say, which I think is pretty good. He averaged 75 for last season. He's averaging 67 so far this year, so he's not actually that too far off it. Um, let's move on to the pods, though, for the pod chat for this one. It's uh, it's interesting. I chatted about this guy for the first buy and probably haven't spoken about him since. Um, and I, It was because Nathan Brown was around 400k for that first buy round, and sort of as a budget pick, uh, he was sort of a plug, and then you can have him as your second or, or third bench, sort of second row and keep going. 
he's very, very quietly just gone ballistic the last four weeks of footy. Yeah. Uh, and nobody has noticed, hey. Like, he's only a couple percent owned. He's totally under the radar. Massively. Yeah, too. look, he's... He obviously got a... Um, I think it was a line break assist try assist on the weekend, but he still scored 100 with that. Uh, before his 100 last week against the Titans, he scored 77, 76, and 77. Uh, so he's got a three-round average of 84, a five-round average of 75. All of a sudden, he's 545,000. So he's expensive. Uh, but his base is really solid this last month too, and that's what we sort of expect from him. 52, 63, 56, and 53, completely raw base. That's without his offloads and TBs. And he hasn't even, you know, he's only scored one try all year, and that was in round 10. So he's probably going to start to get some more attack, you would think, just on law of averages. They do have that hard run, though. So that is the other thing with him, but he's a worker too. So, oh, look, I couldn't, I couldn't pay for it for 545k. But as far as pods go, Tim, I think he's gone completely out of the radar the last month. Like, if you got on a month ago at sort of 400k, you'd be absolutely laughing. Mm. It's one of those ones where, like, I reckon if he might not be the key target, um, but say you're trying to fund some trades or one way or the other and you're looking at this guy that you're trying to get and you go, I can't get him at 580 or something, but then you can look at, and Nathan Brown, and that might that might solve your problem if you need to to fix it. You know what yeah, I mean? At a cheaper price. Definitely. It is a pod too. But yeah, he, he I, I don't think he will. He, I, I'd be surprised if he scored more than one more try this year. Like he might get one in the next seven games. But you don't expect him to, and he's he's getting decent points without it. So if he can get one, then you'd be stoked that game anyway. Yeah, it's a good point that you make um, as far as, like, if you can't afford others or to fund other moves and stuff. Like, this is the sort of stuff you need to look at. Like, Nathan Brown this week versus um, the Raiders is a decent matchup play. And if you are if you know that you don't have that 100K to get to an Angus Crichton and you need to bite the bullet and go, I can't get Angus, getting a couple percent owned Nathan Brown, um, you know, for 100K less could very well match Angus for the balance of the year. If he does what he did the last month, he probably will. Uh, well, I mean, if you looked over Angus's scores over the... I, I mean, I haven't looked at it too closely, but I know there's been some decent ones in there, but there's been some, um, you know, fit like 50s and stuff like that as well, I think. There's been at least one 50, so... Yeah, well, Brownie's done 75 and Angus has done 78. So they're very, very close for, you know, quite a bit of difference in cash, so... It's a, it's a pretty good sort of comparison if you need to look at a pod sort of play uh, for the run home. Um, for sit-start, there's probably only one guy that, that um, I'm going to mention here, and it's more it's also to talk about him last week. You know, how we're mm. in Iroh, I was pretty close to benching last week because I, I even considered selling him uh, because I was saying to Billy on this podcast, you know, he's before last week's game, he'd scored 44, 61, 79, 56 in his month of football since the bye. And I said, you know, it's okay, but he's not really getting that big base attack. And, and, and you know, he scored a couple of tries in there and still didn't score that well. And I was even considering selling him. Thankfully, I didn't. He busted out with 124 versus Sharks on the weekend. Uh, and he did that with only 47 base again. But he had, uh, you know, I think it was yeah, double-digit tackle breaks that he had. Uh, five offloads or something like that. You know, he just absolutely brained it. So for me, it, I felt like I was watching um, like an uncle in a backyard with a whole bunch of kids sort of holding on to his legs. It looked like no one could touch him above the waist. <laughs> like they'd make tackles and he'd just be so free in the upper body to just offload it. Like it was nothing touching him in the top body. It was just ridiculous. I don't know if that was just really weird defense 
and but he, it was just out of it was just out of nowhere. Like we've seen it before, but it's like well, we almost... haven't seen it consistently. That you know, like we, we've seen him do it before for runs, but it sort of disappeared a little bit this year. Yeah, I, I was shocked, man. I was absolutely shocked. Uh, it was it spun me out. Him and Maddo just were both like just really stepped up their game. It's interesting interesting to see them go up against each other this week. Yeah, and to clarify the CHN stats, seven offloads, 13 tackle breaks for what he ended up with. So that's absolutely massive. He no tries. A, no, no no tries. No, he actually had no clutch attack. I thought he had an assist in there. He didn't have anything. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's just massive. So on the sit and start, like if this was, if last week's game didn't happen, I would be sitting him this week, but, because of last week, I just about got to start him, even against a tough side like Parramatta at Bank... At, um, well, it's not at Bank West now, but even against a tough side like Parra. Uh, you know, what are you feeling about these top four sides that the Raiders have got coming up now? Because, you know, they've got Parramatta, uh, then they have round 22, they go Melbourne, Manly, in round 25, the Roosters. You know, does he sort of become just a play every week because of his ceiling now, or do you sort of think that that was a, more of a one-off? Oh, look, it... I think if you if you have that much of a blinder, how can you go that? How can you go back into your shell? That's just how I like. I, that's how I see it. I don't know unless unless because he was so such a absolute potent weapon last week. I'm being a pretty pretty good team. Surely they're going to target him as well, though. You know what I mean? They're going to try and shut that down because when you look at the rest of the side, there's not much of a threat there. Yeah, uh, that's that's the other problem. Uh, Parramatta's um, middle is normally the more susceptible than their edges. Uh, so they they are going to have young Arthur playing now, though. So, I mean, Moses isn't exactly great at tackling either. Um, I'm trying to remember the side that he's going to be on. I think that he's going to be on the Moses, the Arthur side. So, so I mean, that might help yeah, Brown well. def- uh, attacks on the left, so he'd defend on the left, which means, you know, he'd be Brown's side. He's running Brown's side, not Arthur. Ah, uh, okay. That's yeah. not, not anywhere near as appealing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, I think we got to play him this week. When you're looking at the C and VC options for this, I think there's only one, and that is King Gutho. He's coming off 110 versus Gold Coast. Um, he can have those bigger scores in him. So, Canberra Raiders round six, Gutherson put on 103. It's not really going to be loopable, but against the Broncos, the following round he went 124, and then the Bulldogs he went 140, and that's getting loopable for sure. And he's got another 120 pluser against Newcastle, so he's actually got three scores that are very loopable at 120 plus, uh, and he's coming off a 110, uh, playing the Raiders who are looking pretty decimated because their their young fullback Savage unfortunately is going to be out as well now. Um, that's disappointing, isn't it? He was looking really exciting. I really liked what I saw from that guy. I watched a little um, video clip of him, just sort of, you know, little debut video that Canberra had put up or something. Felt really sorry for him, man. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Rapana goes. Yeah, I mean, Rapana at fullback's really good. It's um, it's one of those ones where you kind of wish that he was there a month before because you could have got some better games in. But I think now with the Raiders run, it's a bit harder. But uh, I've got him in my draft side, and I'm really happy he's been moved to fullback. I think he's going to go well there. He's been going pretty well anyway. But yeah, Gutherson's my one of the VC options. I think if you got him, um, do you do you like Gutho for a VC? Um, look, yeah, I I just reckon you could probably find a better one in your side. Yeah, that's probably a fair call. Like he wouldn't. It depend if he was playing later in the week or something. I'd feel like he'd be a better captain, like. Because you just sort of 
get that sort of hundred from him and just take it. But like, if you yep. get a one ten or one twenty, you're, you're going to be sort of, oh, do I want a looper? I've got an AE, you know, that sort of stuff to consider. He might be. It could be a good pod one. It depends. Like at this time, I think maybe um, it might be hard to get, you know, a solid captain differential because you know you've got um, everyone sort of doing the same thing, maybe. And maybe that being the right thing to do, but you might be able to get some love from going pod VCs. I mean, if he if it was a harder week, you could just about put the C on him, couldn't you? Um, like you were saying, if he played later in the round. I mean, I'd I'm never adverse to going an early C if it's a hard week for captains, but I don't think this is one of them. Um, look, top spot better the week for this one. I quite like the Eels mm. at minus fourteen and a half here. Um, I think the Raiders are a little bit decimated, and I know that Moses is out, but I think the Eels have got enough options there, and I really like that particular line. If you don't mind, I'd just like to chuck in my um, prediction there for the top sport bit of the week. It, it'll have something to do with – it's going to be short, but you can just have, like, Parramatta and um, and Fergo to score. And because Fergo's going to want to do a backflip. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's, he's going to get that for his uh, post-try seller. But he loves a backflip. It'll be like he's looking back in the game. He'll do a backflip for sure. I've already seen it. Fergo's doing a well, backflip. I love it. Um, I mean, Fergo to score tries, he's a dollar sixty-eight to score anytime. So that's not bad against his old Canberra Raiders club. Um, Good for a winner. And yeah. Mike Acevo didn't get his try last round, and he's a dollar fifty-two. So I don't. He's I don't, do as well. Yeah, I like that as well, um, mate. The Roosters versus Knights. This one. Interesting matchup because the Knights were awful against the Storm last week, weren't they? Yeah, but it's hard to be good against the Storm. I don't think they let anyone be good as it's, much as you tried. Yeah, they just get you out of the game, you know what I mean? They just As much as, you know, you can make silly mistakes and have poor discipline and stuff, I think some of those things are just forced upon you by the pressure of trying to lift to the standards of playing against the Storm. But I think maybe you, you might see a bit more from them this week. It might be a bit more of an even matchup, I reckon. Yeah, it could be. The Roosters weren't... Uh... That great last week, although they came home pretty well. Um, but it's 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 good news for the Knights in that they've still got Ponga there because he obviously only got to play half a game last week. Um, but they still don't have Mitchell Pearce. I think Mitchell Pearce would have helped them a lot because he's going to step up. That'd be so much better with him in the side. To just it just looks better. You know what I mean? When you just look at the matchup, it looks better. It's better. It's better on the field. It looks better on paper. So uh, yeah, I think that he. Playing the old club, too, with Piercy, so he'd step up against the Roosters. He loves it. Um, I, I've talked about, for buy and sell terms out of these Roosters Knights lineup. I've talked about Tupo ad nauseum. Uh, I just need to really not, not discuss him, because I've discussed his numbers enough, but I just need to put it to rest a little bit that he's been going terrible, okay? So if you brought him in, I understand that it's all about hundreds, hundreds these days, but... Tupo has not scored since round 14. That is his um, longest streak aside from the start of the season that he's had, where he's gone four games in a row without scoring. And, you know, after that streak in, you know, rounds one to four, he actually scored seven tries in in, uh, six games. So he absolutely brained it after that, and that's generally what he does. So it's, it's a big streak. A lot of people are disappointed in Toops. I'm actually going to say I'm not that disappointed. Um, not because I'm trying to cover for him, but yeah, the last three weeks he hasn't scored a try and he's gone 54, 50 and 49. So he's a guy that's averaged almost 52 points. Yeah, that's fine. 
without any attack. I think he's got one line break in there or something out of the three games. You know, like, you know that he's going to give you those good scores. And against the Newcastle side this week, he's probably... I, I've said that he's probably going to score a try the last couple of weeks because he had the Cowboys and Bulldogs. He's getting so... He's got to get there this week, surely. Like, and as far as buys go, 433k. Look, I'm, I'm happy to play him this week, so I'm definitely not sitting him despite the last few weeks. No, you definitely want to play him. He's definitely due. And I think, like, you know, if you, you, know, you were talking up before, I don't think you need to be any apologetic at all for you know, scores like 50s or 60s and stuff like that, that's perfectly fine, especially if you've got other players, you know, in other positions scoring well in your side. As long as he's, you know, able to consistently do that, that's fine. And he's got, he's got that upside. He'll definitely get there. Like, there's, you know, like if someone's not doing well, they're going to start doing well. And the guys that are doing well now will probably start falling off a little bit. It's just averages, you know what I mean? Like, if a guy's oh, scored 100 last week or 150 last week, he's not going to average 150 by the end of the year. And Tupu's not going to f- average 50 by the end of the year, so... Yeah, he's he's, he's definitely going to have a a try coming this week or the next. I'd, 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 I'd put money on it being this week, but I'm going to give everyone a stat to finish up on on Tupes as far as whether you want to sit and play him or even if you want to buy him at 433k for this matchup with the Knights. Newcastle Knights... Uh, highest score out of any team for Daniel Tupo, 138 points he's put on them before. That's the best he's scored against anyone. So there you go. It was when the Knights probably weren't very good, um, but I would argue they're not that good at the moment. So there's that. Um, pod buyers for this one in the Roosters vs Knights matchup. Look, whilst I would buy Daniel Tupo, uh, I couldn't buy Ponga this week because he scored a seven, but it is a time to talk about it because we are at a stage, like we said, Tim, where teams are going to have it put on them where they have to make a decision. Like maybe they don't have a, a, maybe they need to play a fullback this week or, you know, certain things happen where they need to make that trade this week to get their fullback in. If you had to, I think you just go for it and ignore the BE, but he does have 140 odd BE. So he's going to be the perfect trading after this Roosters matchup when he plays the Raiders. I do need to say, like, I was forced into trading Teddy last week, and I did it so I could have a fullback to play. I am going to 100% be getting Ponga in next week. Uh, he is, mm-hmm. from round 20 onwards, the Raiders, Broncos, Sharks, Bulldogs, Gold Coast, Titans, and Broncos again. So he has the Broncos twice between 21 and 25. He's 650k with 140b. He could be 600k after this week. So I could not be bigger on Kalen Ponga, averaging 77 for the year. I would bank him from round 20 onwards. And even from this week, he'll probably carve up the Roosters as well. He'll probably average, you know, 100 for the balance of the year isn't out of the realm of possibility for him to average. Yeah, he's a gun, bro. He's a silly player, isn't he? I like him. It's a funny one. Like, I, I, I hear there's a lot of, like... People are either really for Ponga or really against it, I've found. And I'm really sort of somewhere in the middle. And it's not based anything on, yep. you know, ability or lack of it. Like, I think he's amazing. But I just, I don't know. I always get weird feelings about different players and stuff. And I don't know. I just get a weird feeling that he might not be there till the end. I just, you know, just get a feeling he's going to get injured. Yeah, it could happen with him as well because he does get a few injuries. I'm not going off anything. I'm not the NRL physio or anything <laughs> like that. But um, but he's he's very red hot. When you say he's playing the bull, uh, the Broncos twice, pooh, pooh, juicy. Well, even just like even just like he's playing the Broncos twice and the Bulldogs and the Titans and the Sharks. That's his last five games. That's silly. That's silly. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just, I looked at it and went, oh, it makes me feel a lot better about training. So Teddy awkward, because, though. You know, training to- like, because the thing is, like, I, I've always been about getting Pappy back, too. And, um, yep. but yeah, I don't know. I've got no idea where I stand on my final fullback. You know, I've got Turbo the man, you know, doing his thing. But the other one's just really up in the air. I think if people have got Teddy, I think you could definitely hold Teddy. Um, I, don't, I personally wouldn't be trading out a gun fullback for another gun fullback with this many trades that people would have left. Yeah, I, look, I, I get that completely. I had to last week, obviously, because I didn't have a fullback to play, and I think that was a Yeah, it's a different time. scenario. Yeah, totally uh, different scenario. Um, But don't, don't you think, though, like, if you've got people that are chasing, like, I wouldn't if I was you either, because you're at the top, so, like, you, you, you need to just sort of stay there. But um, if you've got guys that are chasing, like someone that's 500 odd, or even guys, you know, much further back. The the good thing is that Pong is only 4% owned. And because of his score on the weekend, I don't think a lot of people are going to jump on. And because a lot of people are going to do what you said, which is perfectly fine, they're going to stick with their fullbacks. So no one's going to train in Ponga this week. So he's almost a pod play just to get in this week and see if he can put some on the Roosters who have been giving up way too many points the last month of footy. Um, or... Uh, at least the following week, um, he's probably going to go at one or two percent, but you're still going to get someone that's below ten percent with the pedigree of Caleb Ponga. Yeah, well, I'm really all about it. Like I hadn't really looked at how good Newcastle's draw was. There's there's certain you know players I've got targets on, or there's certain um, teams that I'm aware that have really good draws, but um, yeah, that. That's sort of gone under the radar a little bit for me. It was more so about the player himself, like, it, you know, his gun, and I, I would consider him as my second option. But now that you say that, I think that <laughs> he's probably he's probably shifted into the target pretty hard now. I, I don't want to I don't want to twist your arm because you, track. You, you, oh, you, you, no, know, you know a lot better than me. You're number one, mate. <laughs> definitely not. No, no, I definitely I like I take I'm a sponge man. I take in a lot of information. And then I just sort of rinse out the, you know, squeeze out all the bad stuff that I don't need. That you're definitely not, you know, you've given amazing, just it's a great thing. The only thing I've got to go against is my, potentially my gut, which I haven't done too much. But yeah, we'll have to have a look at it. It's not a this week play for me, but it might be something I have a look at a bit closer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, this, this Roosters matchup, it's a, it's a really hard one to pick, which, you know, brings us to the sit and start. You know, Walker is always a little bit contentious on whether you sit and start him. Like, I've got him as one of my halfbacks, and I played him last week at the last minute, and he put up 120 points against the Cowboys. It's always very stressful, I feel, starting young Sam Walker, um, and some of his goal-kicking was terrible. This game, we mentioned no Pierce, so they've got you know a couple of young halves, uh, and they're a side that really got pounded by Melbourne last week, and I always feel like sides that play... Teams like Melbourne or even the Panthers, some of the top sides, what we used to be, but probably not as much now. They struggle the next week. Uh, and you got Newcastle coming off a hiding with some senior players out, Pierce not back yet, playing against the Roosters. You know, I'm hoping that they're going to have a big game. But would you, would you pencil Walker in? He's averaging 73. You know, would you put him on your reserve list to put in your 17 against the Newcastle Knights? Or do you think it's a little bit too hit and miss and you've got some other guys that are going to be better? Uh, yeah, I really like playing my halves. If I had him in my side, I would love playing him. You know, I got rid of him, but he's someone I'd love to have. It's just one of those things. There's so many guys now that in that position that are pretty good, or when I say so many, there's, 
not just the two options, you know what yep. I mean? Now that we've sold Nathan Cleary, there's a whole bunch of other plethoras of it's not just first and second option. It's yeah, it's sort of become a bit more open. Yeah, I'd definitely play him, man. Yeah, I think he's a good player as well. Just I think there's potential there that the Knights could crumble a little bit. Just I like upside. Yeah, you know if you, if you have to cop a bit of bit of um, hits, you know, you, a bad score here or there from some of those players, then you cop it, but. I just think he'd try to take that upside. Yeah, and out of his 12 games, 25% of them have been tons. So that's that's something to take solace in. He's got 120, 163, and 125 there. Now he's also got 25% of them that have been sub-30. So that's kind of the roller coaster that you, you, you're going to be hitting on. But it's got the upside. Um, VC and C options for this one. I, I think that Teddy stands out. Uh, he's obviously had the rest last week, which is tough for guys like me. But... I think a lot of people are going to lay off James Tedesco. Um, you know, he's got a really good matchup, but he's not the flavour of the month, or he's probably not even the flavour of the year at the moment with coaches. Even the ones that own him are going to go for turbo, and I completely understand that. But certainly a, a bit of a pod move could be just to go for uh, a Tedesco captain or a Tedesco vice captain even and see what he can do against the Knights if he does carve them up then, you know, he did have some underrated scores of 162 this year, 131, uh, and a couple of other tons in there as well. So I, I really I really like him for a ton this week, Teddy. Yeah, the thing I like about um, Teddy is the fact that he plays for the Roosters, and regardless to how, you know, they might not have the strongest halves, like when, it, you know, Sam Walker's a gun, but he's a young, yep. I still think that, Robbo really gets um, the Roosters really primed running into the finals, you know. So I think that the Roosters will do well from here onwards. So that means Teddy does well as well. Yep, I really like him for the VC or the C. If if you don't have Turbo, um, I'd be going that route for the Top Sport Bet of the Week. Roosters line on Top Sport is minus eleven and a half, dollar ninety. Love that one. I'm, I'd get all over that one. Um, and I'd also say that the try scorer markets aren't there at the moment at time of recording, but to get Daniel Tupo um, after his four-week drought, he hasn't gone longer than that all season. If he doesn't go longer than that many seasons, I reckon that his odds are going to be pretty good as well. Sort of thinking, I reckon that line's about right. I reckon it'll, you know, might be, you might get upset and it could be Roosters by eight or it could be, you know, Roosters by about 14. I don't know. I kind of like the Knights a little bit as well. I just think they're struggling the halves, but I think they're across the rest of the field there. Not too bad. And with Ponga, I think they're pretty pretty strong. Yeah, Ponga could be up for a big game this week. Like we, we do have these games that we should win, and then we just end up letting someone like Ponga carve us up and end up being closer than it should. But I reckon we're good for that 12-plus. Cowboys Storm, talk about uh, David West Goliath. This one is... <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to go straight to the top sport bet, and then we'll talk about the players because I just noticed it. It's a storm of minus twenty six and a half at a dollar ninety, and I, I reckon a lot of people are actually going to jump on that, which says a lot about how well the storm are going and how bad the cows are going. Yeah, they seem like they're on the downhill. Like it seems like Lolo is the only one that's on the uphill for them, and the rest of them are on the downhill as a team. Um, I felt like Val Holmes sort of was a bit on the slide a little bit before Origin as well. Yeah. There was, there was a couple of games he played all right. But, yeah, I just, I don't know, Drinkwater's had a couple of, like, good little moments. But, I don't know. They they, they just feel like they, you, when they started winning so many games there in that little middle period, I thought they were getting a bit lucky there with that run. I thought that wasn't a true reflection of how good they actually were going. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you for sure. I think they might get touched up this weekend. 
pretty badly. Yeah, I think that, that I'd be more inclined to go that one than the the other one, to be fair. So when you're talking about buy and sell in this one, uh, firstly, like it's great that Hines is starting still and Munster's been rested, which isn't great for Munster owners, but obviously Pap's on the bench. Now, Johns is starting in the halves. Uh, I think that there's a very high likelihood that we see Hines shift to six, uh, Johns bench and, and Pappenhausen goes to start at fullback. Um, if that yeah. happens, now Pap's obviously got a BE of 205, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Not owned much at all. I think uh, two people own him, one person's not playing, and the other one's Wilfred, who's been holding him desperation. But yeah, aside from that, there's hardly anyone that's that's held on to Paps this long. Not many. Um, he's 815,000. He's got a 205 BE. You know, everything says wait. But if you've only got a couple of trades left, and this is where it gets really interesting on the run home, if you've only got a couple of trades left and you're sold on getting someone like Pappenhausen anyway, you, you can do a real risky pod move and say, well, you know, the money doesn't matter. You know, say you're going to trade Especially up. Especially if you've got the money there, yeah, and you're going to use it anyway. And it just gives you, say you've got two trades and you're going to use those two trades to get him in. And then it doesn't matter how much he is. If you've got money sitting on the bank, you can't use because you've got no more trades. So you might as well do it. Yeah, that's right. So the BE the doesn't matter, right? So, I mean, if you're so, if you're set on trading Alex Johnston, like Alex Johnston to Pappenhausen is almost a straight swap at the moment. So if you were trading AJ anyway and Pappenhausen's on your radar, if you got him in this week, um, playing the cows, if he, and I'm talking if he gets, you know, an hour before kickoff, you do the trade, if, if he gets shifted to fullback to start, that that could be a real pod move and a real big buy for this week. Yeah, I mean, if he does play and he comes back, like if they've given him the rest he needs and he's feeling right, he's feeling ready to play, I mean, it could be a massive pod play. You could uh, get a lot of points out of him that no one else has got. But at the same thing, I, I think, like, I, I sort of get the feeling that they're either going to just ease him in, like, just do what, what it says on the bench, you know, like he will come off the bench yep. and they will just sort of bring him in a bit once it's settled down. And the only reason I've been off, perhaps, when I say off him, it's not uh, not 100% sold on rushing him back into my side. Is I just wonder, I've seen the little um, videos he's done to his fans and to the, you know, to the people, and it seems like he... It seems he's a, he seems a bit nervous um, or a bit worried or he doesn't seem like when he says he's not himself. I don't know what that means. You know, it might be a mental health thing. It might be a lot of things. Um, it could be just he just doesn't wake up and feel the same. But I don't know. It, it could be one that could be very, very risky, but it, it could be a high risk, high reward play. I think, you know, you could bring him back and he might, he might, you know, shy away from, you know, the, the sprinting back into the line like he used to, you know, when the, you get those kick returns and he just full belt into a hole like maybe he sort of passes it off to one of the wingers a bit more or just a few little question marks I've got in my mind about that one he's a definitely I reckon he's just as good as um, if not as good as Turbo for Supercoach I know um, Turbo's been getting these nice 150s and stuff but you had um, Pappy at the start of the year getting hundreds in every single game against tough teams as well like Penrith as well so it's just a certain guaranteed hundred if he's back to his confidence and he's healthy and he's feeling right. So it's just such a tough one for me. Well, especially if he, especially if he goal kicks, like I, I think that's a. And obviously, I'm not suggesting any of this. If he stays on the bench, you're not buying him. Um, and certainly, if you've got, you know, you're not planning on getting him this week, then don't. But if you're planning on getting him a hundred percent, and you're just going to wait for him to get cheaper next week. And you've only got a couple of trades, then the money doesn't make any difference. You, you get him in this week. You know, you don't wait until he plays the Panthers next week to get him in. 
and and get him then when you're going to spend that money anyway and have you know 150k left over that's just going to sit in your bank and rot for the rest of the year like that's this that is the pod play to make get him now if that's your situation and you were sold on getting paps in provided he starts because goal kicking alone he could score 40 points in um and this sort of you know we'll, we'll go straight to the captains on this and the vcs like this is where it really comes into it um Hines is obviously coming off a massive score. He's named to start at fullback. Whether the change happens or not, he's still either going to be one or six. That's a guarantee. So he's going to be starting. But if Paps does come in, something that people have to think about, he scored 166 points last week. But he had 49 points in the scoring category, which included all his goals as well as the try. Um, yeah, he's going to score 40-odd points in goal kicking, like I said, if he's kicking. But if Paps ends up taking that from him... Is he is he a straight C option still? Do you think, or are you are you comfortable with a VC, or you're a bit worried that he's not going to be goal kicking? He's a funny one, man. Yeah, I don't know with that one. I I reckon it's like you. I'd want to have all the information, and sometimes you don't get that until the game's actually started. You know what I mean? It might not just be what they say they're going to do an hour beforehand. This is a pretty easy game, right? So maybe they could just go all right, straight swap. Hines yep. come off and have a, you know, Hines to the bench and they just play Cooper Johns because what if they have to down the track and what if, you know, they do just, their plan is to slot, you know, Hines into the centre or something later on down, you know, down the track. Maybe they want to give um, him a bit more game time in case. I just, I just wonder about all these possible other scenarios and I just think it's a bit much to be chucking a, a C on. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's so many different things that can happen. I mean, I think. You make a really good point because they might start Pap and Hines, and if that happens, you know, Johns is on the bench, and they might take one of them off 50 minutes in, and then you're really pissed off. Like, I had Hughes last week, and he was on 90 points 50 minutes in, and then he got he got taken off. He, only, he had a calf knock, but he could have played on. You know, they took him off because they're up by 40 points at the time. So, I mean, you know, you, you're just you're spewing if that happens because you've you got 90 points 50 minutes through and then they come off and, you know, your 150 turns into a 90 and you're in big trouble sort of against some of the mm. bigger scores that round. So I, I would be worried about him. Yeah, so Bellamy's not playing Supercoach, <laughs> so he, he might have a different thing in his mind where he sort of, you know, might see this as an easier matchup and that's why he's, you know, rested months to this game and why he's rested Felice and thought, oh, got this. And, he might, he, you know, he might get a little bit experimental out there and I don't know how that, how that experiment might play out, so... But it'll be an interesting one to see. I think we'll get a lot of answers from this game going forward, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, do you think? So I, I still think the VCs are good options in this one. Oh, definitely. You could because you don't lose anything from a VC except for two goes at it. Really, you know what I mean? You you can take the risk and put it on him, and that's not really a risk. If he goes big, great, and you want to loop him, sweet. If he doesn't, no biggie. Yeah, so I'd VC Hines for sure. Um, if Paps is starting though. Would you think about the the, the um, pod VC and go for Paps instead of Hines if he's starting and going to be goal kicking? If you find out that beforehand, yeah, probably. If I if I had him, yep, probably would. Um, the other dark horse is Hughes for this one. Um, and again, VC definitely not C, but you know he had the calf injury last week, but it was totally fine. He could have kept playing. So he's already had the rest last week, and the Cowboys of the team ended up cutting him. Uh, it's his old club that he's come from to go to the Storm. So I. So did he... He didn't get injured. He got rested, did he? Well, it was sort of like they said he, he copped a, a cork to his calf, 
But then, but then uh, they... okay, so it's like we don't need to play him on. But yeah, we'll just yeah, yeah, okay. Got but then know. they say that yeah. he's basically rested anyway. So I mean, it, it looks like he was rested um, essentially because they're up at the time. I think it was forty nil uh, or forty two nil. So they were they were killing it anyway. He ended up updating to ninety six points against Newcastle in forty nine minutes. So he does have the biggest scores in him. He scored one hundred forty one and one hundred twenty three this year as well. So it, it is his old club. Um, he doesn't have a game against him this year, but. Uh, he's got some decent form against him in the past, I'm pretty sure. So he's, he's a bit of a dark horse one. But the Storm are going to carve. Like, if you've got Storm players, you're laughing about this game. Uh, the Cowboys don't have very much to talk about. But one guy that I did mention a few weeks ago was Tom Lolo. And like Nathan Brown, it needs to be mentioned that he's he's very quietly had a bit of a resurgence the last couple of weeks. It, it's continued on. He scored 72 on the weekend. Um, and it was sort of how he did it against the Roosters that I really liked. He had four offloads, and he was looking to offload, and he was looking to break tackles, which is what he was doing yeah. the week before when he scored 87 versus Souths, and to a lesser extent, he's 60 against the Knights. So when we're talking about needing to trade someone like Tohu, um, Tohu is reasonably cheap now, so you're not going to get massive value trading him out. Uh, but 512k, Jason Talmololo, he's got a three-round average of 73 now, and he's gone up to 59 average for the year, but... Like I said in previous podcasts, he's been 70s, you know, his last five years before he's 59. Do you think that this is the resurgence, the last three weeks, the 60, 87, 72 Tomalolo offloading and, and looking a bit more damaging? Yeah, I do. But it just had something cross my mind, right? Did the Cowboys get to a point where they just, it's like, okay, we've lost this game and they lose the next game? Maybe they can't make the eight. They might still have the mentality of let's try, but if they can't make the eight, then maybe they go back to that mentality of, oh, well, let's stretch Lolo out for a 10-year period that we've got paying him for and reduce his minutes now. Because they're probably, you know, increasing his minutes now because they've got to sort of, you know, they've got to get results to try and make the finals. Well, that's a, that's the thing too. His minutes have been pretty st- steady the last few weeks. Like, he's been playing those minutes before. So they haven't been putting him up heaps. The last three rounds, yeah. he's only averaged um, 59 minutes. Oh, so his minutes aren't really changing. He's just busy. Yeah, his PPM's gone up. Okay. Maybe they drop his minutes, though. I don't know. I'm just, I always try to think of other reasons, try to think of reasons not to get people rather than reasons to get people. But he's showing a lot of good signs and he's at the right price. So not a great team, but their punch, their punch weapon, I guess. Obviously, the storm this week isn't a great time to buy him. Um, But I probably, as an owner, the. Like this game, I'm, I'm thinking about sitting him because he's playing the Storm. But the following three weeks, he's a big play. And that's what I'm talking about when you're looking at when you can play guys, if you're going to purchase them. And like, yeah, I'd sit Tomalolo this week. But Broncos round 20, huge play. Gold Coast Titans round 21, huge play. Uh, Tigers round 22, another big play. Uh, and he scored 101 this year against the Broncos in round 9. So that's his only ton of the year against the Broncos, and he scored a line-break try. Uh, and then he actually plays Power, who's a tough game, but they give up a lot of points to opposing middles. So all of a sudden, you look at this run after this week and go, wow, Lolo's got a great run, and then he finishes off with the Dragons and then Manly in the last game. So he he actually has a good run if he can keep up what he's done the last couple of weeks. But obviously, this week against the Storm, you can't really play him. Um, well, you can play him. You can't buy him. And as a owner, I'm actually going to sit him. Yeah, it's probably a good one to sit this week if your team's quite strong. I mean, if you if your team you don't have the a super stacked team yet, then maybe you're you're playing him. But 
yeah, if you've got other options that you can, you know, might not be as a, attractive as Wogo to look at as the name, you know what I mean? Because he's a, he's a proven gun. You might look elsewhere this week just because, you know, Storm are probably one of those teams that will wrap up the ball and stop those offloads as much as they can. Yeah, and that's where he's been effective for sure. Look, we already spoke about the top swap bet for this one, so let's move on to the next game of the Rabbits and the Warriors. Um, now, interesting one here because the Rabbits, by all accounts, should have killed it last week. Um, I had like six multis that all hinged on the Rabbits winning 13 plus. Yeah. <laughs> they obviously, none of them came in. It just killed me. But you'd think looking at this, like the Rabbits will go well. They've got Luttrell back, but they didn't go well last week and they were playing the Dogs. Yeah, true. I, I just had a, I was just sitting there thinking how bad my weekend was. With like, I had a great super coach weekend, but it was terrible on the punt. I was killing it all weekend until the last two games. I even got on um, <laughs> bloody the Bunnies halftime live for just a minus ten and a half for a cheeky dog of forty to try chase some losses. That didn't happen. So <laughs> it, it no, went so pear shape. Um, yeah. Um, so I sort of just didn't listen to anything you just said and just was like having these relive moments in my, of like, why did I get on the McDonald's for anything I, I, I didn't be a count. I'm so dirty on South as well. Like, I, the same as you. Like, I was all hinging on that as my, um, yeah. my comeback for the, for the weekend and it didn't happen. Like, yeah. AJ's obviously gone. Um, as far as buying sales go, like, we've kind of spoken about him and Nico. Um, I think you can hold them both. Um, but if you have to sell them to anyone, that's fine. With, with AJ, though, like there has been some conjecture with it. it I, I did see a report. I can't remember if it was Fox Sports News. It was on, it was on something that said it, it's more than likely four-plus weeks. And you would think that with the the guys that Souths can put on the wing and how important AJ sort of is for them, that they just let him heal. So I think it would be closer to four than two weeks. And we've already spoken about him coming back for those tough games. So I'm, I'm almost yeah. certainly going to sell him. Um, but you're you're more on the hold category for the oh no definitely not um trying to push anyone either way or the other i'm just undecided what i want to do with him just yet so i just wouldn't you know for me i'm not just gonna trade him just because he's not playing this week i can cover it elsewhere so he'll probably possibly go you know considering he's at a higher price he's got a tougher run towards the back as well and maybe i could you know he could be a person to better fund, you know, an upgrade elsewhere than having to sell a Heinz or something. Maybe you could hold on to a Heinz on the bench and let him drop some money and bring him in and out. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a bit annoying. I mean if he I mean I've said to a few people, like if he came back, it's it's really annoying the time that he's gone down because the next month of football, they've got the Warriors, the Dragons, the Eels, which is a bit tougher, and then the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like that the next month is gold. You know, if he was out for two weeks in round 23 versus the Panthers and Roosters, you know, you'd be like, oh, I don't care, I wouldn't have played him anyway. Mm-hmm. But when he's out for the good games, and he might come back for two games that you don't want to play him for anyway before he has a last round to row against the Dragons, you, you just sort of think, oh, it's not really worth it, especially for the money that he's got. Unless you maybe need to hold the depth because you don't have many centre wing, mm-hmm. and you've got other guys that you need to get out of your team with your last trades, and that's probably where it makes sense to hold him. Yeah. The only reason I'd be even half towards holding him is just as a matter of do you have other priorities? I mean, if you're – there's probably other people that have other issues in there. They might have AJ. They might have Val. um, Tohu. Sorry, Tohu? 
Oh, and Val. Yeah, and so, Tahu. Yeah. I was thinking about just as the um, centre position, though. So I'm thinking if you've got two injuries in the centre, then maybe yep. you might have to move one of those on for sure. Let's let's have a look at some of the other guys in this one, though. One of the really nice pods that I like here, I, I've... This is a guy that I'm really upset that I don't have more trades at this time of year because I'd 100% have him in my second row, and that's Cameron Murray. I really liked him coming into that Tigers game before the bye. I loved it. Oh, sorry, the, the Broncos game. I loved it in round 15 when he was returning after he had 14 off. And he's the last three rounds that he's played, he's gone 91, 86, and 87, and he's gotten two tries over the last three as well. Um, but, you know, he's... He's got a three-round average now of 88. He's only 568,000. Uh, now his average is up to 66 points a game. So if you go back a month ago, uh, he was sort of low 60s, uh, coming off a of 68, 60 on the last two years, and it looked like he was going to be sort of seven, eight points below where his performance has been. And the last three weeks, you can see the pickup that's going to get him back up to that close to 70 average. Um, and that looks like it'll continue. So I really, really like him as a pod purchase. Mm. Um, you can get him under 10% at the moment, 568,000. And he does have the Warriors this week and then the Dragons. So, I mean, when we're talking about those third type of second rowers, Tim, like, you know, we mentioned the Tom Malolo and the Nathan Brown and Madison type sort of. Cameron Murray's my pick out of all of them. I, I think that he's a really good third one behind um, Angus and David Fafida. And this week, I like his matchup too. He's a proven gun as well, you know what I mean? Like, he was pretty much in everyone's sides a couple of years ago. He was like, they have to have, you know what I mean? So Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think he's improved and showing some good signs. And I really like um, what I see too from him. I think if you're one of those um, players that like to stack your team with good looking and blokes too, you can't go wrong with Cam Murray either. <laughs> well, the the other pod uh, isn't going to be one of the guys on the good-looking team, I don't think, but uh, I need to mention him because Matt Lodge last week, he scored 116 points, mm. and it was all tackle breaks and offloads. He had 54. He set one up, that. didn't he? Oh, it was... Um, yeah. Pretty sure he put That's someone over. He put another prop over or something. I can't remember exactly, but I remember it was an attacking. Yeah, he did. He had a he had a line break and a try assist. Well, I mean, even if you take his line break and try assist out, he had seven offloads and ten tackle breaks. Like that, that isn't something that Matt Lodge has been doing. Um, but since he's been at the Warriors, you know, like his last three games, he's gone eighty, fifty-one, and one hundred and sixteen. He doesn't have any tries there. His base the last three games has been sixty-four, fifty-three, fifty-two. And he's just been seven offloads. Like, when you're talking about uh, front row forward options, you know, Haas was a really good buy last week, but, you know, IPAP, if you don't have him in your second row forward, but yeah. at Lodge at 539,000, like, he's actually been super consistent. He hasn't, he's scored 116 on the weekend with those seven offloads. I have to think that surely it's an anomaly, and I'm just going to mention him because it's such a massive game to see a prop go 10 tackle breaks, 7 offloads, you know, line break and assist, but their draw's really good. You know, he's got Souths, tougher game this week. They might get rolled a little bit, but Tigers, Sharks, Bulldogs, Broncos, Raiders, Titans, they aren't just easy games, some of those, for the backs. There are also a lot of packs that give up points to opposing middles. So... I'm too. I'm trying not to get carried away with the 116 performance, yeah. but far out. Like it's yeah. he's put it, he's put everyone on notice as a pod. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he probably won't be, you know, setting them up or every week or, you know, doing seven offloads a game. But and he also probably got a, lot, a bit extra minutes, you know, with um, Tohu going down. Everyone had to buddy chip a little bit more. That's true. He played 80 minutes, yeah. But if he's, you know, he's, he's showing that potential, though. Like, you know, he's got the, you know, he's got it in his repertoire. There probably is other better options. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it's a just it's one of those ones where like if you if you want to just completely pot up you can't argue against it. Like, He's not going to give you a bad score, is he? I mean that's the other good thing. Now we have got those couple of pods out of the way. I'm I'm still upset I can't get Cam Murray in by the way, but we'll move on. <laughs> the yeah. I think you've got to start all of you rabbits in this one. I think they've got a good chance to bounce back and play better than last week. But the same maybe not Tane Mill. Yeah, maybe not Milne. Jeez, how would you feel as an owner of Milne at the moment? Yeah, I really feel sorry for those people because I actually think it was a really good buy. And as much people were saying, oh, I don't have him, but as much as, and I really wish I did it that, well, now I don't in hindsight, you know what I mean? But <laughs> that score he got after uh, the, the, the buy rounds. Yeah. yeah. So you've got the, you've gotten 200 points over two rounds for him there and at a great price when you bought him. And I really didn't think that he was um, any threat to have Paulo or um, Mansour take his spot. I really thought he was looking like a real big body, like a Sivo-y, a Marju-y style, which I think those big body wingers can be great. Mm. Yeah, so I'm really surprised he lost I thought it. it was a slight risk, but then when AJ went down, like you'd think that it sort of it's mitigated by the fact they've got their other winger gone down, but... Yeah, it's, it's it's really tough for him, but let's let's talk about the captain and vice captain Cody Walker. He has been delivering very well, um, and that's why last week seventy nine against the Dogs felt like a bit of a, a letdown, but still not a bad score seventy nine. And he's three of four, still one thirty ninety nine and one ten. He's still got a three round average of one hundred three and a five round of ninety nine. The Warriors, I'm going to say, just to remind people, is the side that he scored 150 against. I'm pretty sure it was the last season where he scored the four tries. Um, and he absolutely carved them with four tries. And it's uh, always... I always think about that every time the Warriors are coming up for South Sydney now. And I really like him as a VC, but I do think that he's a bit of a risky C option as well. If you don't own Turbo, because Turbo's a bit of an obvious one, you know, how do you feel about the straight C on him for this one? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Like, that, when you say, you know, it is, I'm, I'm a big one on those... Um, I'm not a big one of chasing last week's points, but I'm a big fan of chasing, like, a weird hoodoo, like from, you know, last year or their last time they played this club that this guy scored that. I like those sort of ones. Um, so I think that's a really interesting yep. um, thing you've got to say there. With Latrell Mitchell back in the side, I think he will actually, if it actually improves him a bit more, you know, people say it could take away from his, you know, it might be Latrell getting the tries uh, and stuff, but I think that improves his game. I, I, I do think it is a bit of a risky thing to to straight see Cody or put a C on Cody. Like I stayed away from him last week, even though everyone was doing it, just because I, I, I just think it a six without kicking can be a bit yeah. When there's when there's yep. fullbacks out there. Well, Tur- Turbo plays right after, so you could go VC. You probably got to you got to make the decision very quickly to loop because it's the next yeah, game. You'd have so to you make sure to you've got the option to loop it too. So a lot of people just put the VC on and go I'll loop him 
if he scores mad, but then they haven't really looked at how they're going to loop him later on in the week. And they realize, <laughs> oh, hold on, I've got no, everyone's playing. What am I going to do? Yeah, that so, kills you if it comes off too, right? If he gets 150 yeah. points again and you can't loop it, you're, you're going mad. But yeah, I, I do think it's a, it's, it's a risky one. It's one of those ones where if you reckon this is the week, then you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it definitely comes with more risk than some of the other options, but he definitely has the upside. Um, and it is one of those ones where often teams like South, when they're expected to put up a big score and they kind of struggle a little bit, like against the, the Dogs, that they come back the next week against a not non top eight side and go hard and end yeah. up, you know, having that performance the week after. So their line with the troll back is minus seventeen and a half on top sport. Uh I quite like that one for a dollar eighty five. I think that they'll win well. Um they didn't get the thirteen plus last week. I think that they can get an eighteen plus this week. Yeah, I think after playing pretty poorly last week they'll have a pretty strict plan in place and just abolish them. So yeah, I think he could you could confidently back the bunnies this one for the the line. So Manly and Tigers is the next one. Uh, obviously, I mentioned that I bought Dewey um, last last round. I was pretty big on it on the podcast last week as well. He scored 154 points to back up his 97 in round 16. All of a sudden, he's on fire. Like if, if 566 hours, and he's still very cheap. Um, I guess the fact that he's coming up against Manly this week will put some people off. Um, mm. but he had five tries this last week, kicked the goals as well, um, and just looked like he had it on a string, really, as far as his passing mm-hmm. game and his, his playmaking. The thing was, it was the Broncos, and um, I think people look at the, the Bulldogs and think, oh, that's a really easy matchup, that's a really easy matchup, but I don't think people score that well against the Bulldogs as such. Like, Cleary didn't go massive against the Bulldogs. I don't think Turbo Tur- might have, but I had it. I'm pretty sure he didn't go that massive against the Bulldogs, but I could be wrong. But um, but the Broncos, I just feel, is just one of those teams that, like, uh, who was it? Bailey Simonson. Oh, yeah, yeah it was his 120 you know I mean? or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a little bit different. And I actually got um, uh, Dewey last week too, but I was doing it with a bit of a asterisk that I might sit him this week. But after seeing how well he did, I'm thinking it might be silly to, to sit him all together. But I was expecting, you know, maybe like a – 80 to 100 from him last week, and I thought maybe I'd expect maybe like a 40 to 60 from him this week, but maybe you could bump those numbers up a little bit this week. I don't know. Yeah, because of his goal kicking and and how much he's playmaking, even against like a better side in Manly, he does seem like a bit of a safer play while he's at six. Like you sort of think that he's a staple to get his 65 between, you know, a few successful kicks at goal, and, and Manly will give up a few tries, I'm sure, against the Tigers, and, and probably setting up at least one. You know, you kind of think that he's going to he's gonna get his 60-65 as a, sort of a base. And the other thing that I really liked about Dewey the whole year is that he always has offloads, and he always has tackle breaks as well, you know, and he has a go at running too. So he can score in so many different ways. So I, I'm definitely going to play him this week. I guess the question mm. is more, you know, if you wanted to buy him, he's got a minus 37 BE, so he's going to get a little more expensive. Do you sell someone like a Cameron Munster to him and ride like the Adam Dewey run home uh, this week? Sh- I wouldn't be selling Cameron Munster for him. I'd be selling like a, if you had enough trades and stuff, I'd be considering like an SJ to him, but I wouldn't do SJ to him this week because SJ's got the dogs. So 
Although I said people don't score that well against the dogs, I'd still probably not rush it straight out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You go, it's funny how much we contradict ourselves on these things. But, um, but yeah. Because um, cause really, like, you've got Cody Walker and Munster as the premium sixes, right? And there's a lot of teams that have got both of those. And you're not yeah, I wouldn't gonna... be rushing Munster out, man. I think he's that uh, he scored 90 the other weekend. He's just getting rested. I think he'll keep killing it, man. I think he's a, he's a. I'm scared of him. Yeah, but then you've got the other. There's you've got other. Like if you're looking at Manly side, man, it is so strong this week. I reckon anyone who's looking at Dewey going, I'm going to get 150 or even 100 out of him. I reckon we'll be lucky to get 80 across the park. They've got you know they've got shoes to really strengthen some up in the like in the second row compared to some of the other options in attack um, as well, particularly. He's pretty good in defence as well. And also you've got Trojevic, both of them back, DCE's back. So it's a pretty strong side. I reckon they're pretty good defensively, mainly as well. And I think people just look at them as an attacking side, but they've kept a lot of teams very low scoring recently when they've been full strength. Yeah, I, I, look, I can't disagree with that. Look, I, I think that Manly will win. Um, I guess it's more. I think it would be easier if he's if Dewey's BE was like twenty or thirty, but because it's minus thirty seven. Ah, uh, yeah. I've already owned him, so I don't have to think about the BE. Yeah, so that's the thing <laughs> I'm thinking about. Yeah. So I mean, so some teams are going to go. Look, I can't afford you know six fifty or you know something like that next week, but I can afford five seventy this week, um, and that's going to be the hard part, you know, and who you give up for him, um, because. You know, again, like we spoke about the sixes, but you can't really give up a one for him either now because all the ones are playing and you can't have Dewey sitting at one. You know, I, I brought him in at one last week for Teddy only because I knew after this week I was going to move him into the halves for either Walker or SJ or something like that after this round and then get Ponga next week. So it's a hard one, but it, it's good for us owners because it does mean that at 4% ownership, he's not going to go up hugely. I can see that 3% of teams are trading him in at the moment. He's probably going to be seven percent, which is still going to be really low owned. So, look, if you, I, I'm a little bit different to you, Tim. I would actually get rid of Munster for him. I think that his run home is better, and he's got the goal kicking, uh, and he's not going to get rested either. But yeah, yeah. I, the only reason I say no to that is I can't trade an absolute. Like you can do it earlier in the year, I reckon, when you've got more to play around with. We think the matchups there, but at this point of the year. How can you trade an absolute gun to another absolute gun? Uh, let's say someone does that, and then future you in two weeks, you've now got one trade left, and you know you've got all these other issues. I guess if you've got eight plus trades, if you're one of those teams that got bulk trades, I think it's a lot easier. I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just a weird one. I think I just couldn't do Munster to Dewey at this point. I think. Yeah. yeah, but if, if you're, you're all for it, then it's good that we're not totally agreeing. It'd be pretty boring if you were. <laughs> uh, exactly right. It's always good to have some disagreements. Yeah. Uh, pod pod spotlight for this game. Daily Cherry Evans, um, another guy that sort of people go off very quickly and don't really give credit to sometimes. He's not playing great football, you know, in the Origin series and stuff like that. And I think that puts a lot of people off too. But for this matchup, playing against the Tigers, who, you know, can get a lot of points put on them, as you've said, Last three games for Daly Cherry Evans, 119, 85, 148. The thing that I've spoken about with DCE at length before, and, you know, Billy's not a DCE fan, so we disagree on, on him whenever I talk about him. He puts the big scores on sides he should put the big scores on, you know. So last three games, Bulldogs, Titans, Cowboys, you play someone like DCE hoping he's going to score, and he delivers in every one of them, you know. Um, three round average of 117. Um, against the harder sides, you know, he plays shit. 
So Penrith 34, um, Eels 29. You know, it's it happens all the time with him. Um, Roosters at the start of the year 28, the South 41. But Tigers, he played in round seven, mate, and he put on 110 against them. He's his third best score of the year. Um, he's coming up against the Tigers this week, and then he hits the Sharks the following week, which is another good matchup. Um, they do finish on the Bulldogs and the Cows, teams that he scored 119 and 148 against as well. So, ostensibly, you can look at this and go, half of these games, he's either already put a big score on them this year, or he's very likely to. And he's coming in expensive, but if you're looking at a backup half, um, you know, he, he is a guy that, that could go huge this week and could give you four really big scores for the balance of the year, I reckon. Yeah, he's not a bad one as well, I guess. Yeah, as as for a player, he's definitely like a, one of the top options other than, you know, your Jerome Hughes' query when he comes back, if people want to uh, be patient and do that, that's another option. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a Sam Walker or an S, like SJ, you couldn't do this week, but certainly a, a Sam Walker or someone like that, you could definitely look at a Sam Walker to a DCE, I reckon, if you want a bit of a pod play. That's an, yeah, another one where I reckon it's a bit like a monster uh, to a Dewey. I just think that you're probably going to get somewhat similar out of him. Yep. And you might even get more upside out of Walker. Who knows? He's just got those crazy little balls and crazy little plays, and I guess he's not getting the show stolen as much by his fullback. I don't feel like Teddy steals their show. He just sort of compliments their side, whereas Turbo comes in and says, this is what's going on. I'm Give me the ball. <laughs> well, I'm speaking about Turbo, obvious C option this week, surely. Tigers. If you don't have him, get him. Get him. Seven out of the last nine games, he's got a ton. So I'll tell you what, like, how can you not just put the C on someone playing the Tigers who seven out of nine he's games... He's probably the only one I'd say sell a gun fullback to get, you know what I mean? Like, if you've got a gun fullback, like uh, anyone else, get him. He played 64 minutes <laughs> against the Tigers in round seven and put up 118 points in his 64 minutes. So, 80-minute game, that's 145-plus. So, he's a no-brainer this week. Look, top sport better of the week. Um, the Seagulls have got quite a big line of minus 18 and a half. Um, this is a bit of a tough one. I, I actually couldn't find ones that I liked in this one, aside from the fact that no Faluma keeps on scoring tries lately. Um, so if you're going to go for him to continue his try scoring run, um, I kind of like that one because he's playing $2.46. I reckon $2.46 is massive own overs for no for Luma to Very score. Very juicy for a winger. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I can't see them scoring a lot of tries myself, but, you know, you probably think that if they're going to score one, it's probably not going to be a real soft, easy one through the middle or anything like that. It would be one they've worked hard for. Um, Penrith Broncos is another crazy game. So... This one, as far as the the, uh, the buy sell, um, I'm I really liked Haas last week. I still think that he's a really good buy this week. But I, I spoke about him a lot last week. He, he's going up in price, so you really need to sort of jump on him um, if you're going to get him. But TPJ, mate, like there's people that have held him, and there's a lot of questions. Um, you know, do I sell him now or do I wait? You know, where's he going to end up? I, I sold him as soon as he, he was suspended. So I'm pretty happy that I did because people have got a big decision to make this week because there's a lot of teams that need to trade this week and, and he's an obvious guy because he's, he's not playing. If he comes back for the Broncos next week, 
you know, does he get his normal minutes? Does he play well? Um, or, you know, if he goes somewhere else, is he still going to play as well? You know, there's just that many question marks. What would you do, like, if you've held TPJ up until this Penrith game? Um, I reckon if you've held him this long and you've also got Tohu as well, and you're probably not going to sell both. You might be someone who's going to sell both this week. Um, but I'd be leaning towards selling Tohu because you know he's definitely not coming back this year. Whereas, you know, it could be a nice option just to have because it's just sitting there to use. If you've got other cover, like if you've got, you know, three decent um, second rowers and a backup at least, or maybe you've got someone in the front row that is a jewel you can bring down with swappies. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, if you could sit on him, I think that you, you do. Uh, but it, I, if, he, if people are stuck to trade someone, um, I think it's fine. Just, yep. just jump off now. Yeah. Yeah, if, he's, if you're looking at your side going, oh, I'm holding him for this long and I don't know who else to sell, he's probably the guy to sell. Uh, pod play for this one. Uh, and this, you know, again, this is a nice one that me and Billy disagree on too. Jerome Luai's back. He's $359,000 to purchase. If you're looking at needing money to fund another purchase, like a David Fafida in for this week, you can downgrade and make 150k pretty easily. Downgrade to a Jerome Luai um, and get mm. that money that you need. And he has yeah. not gone well, but he did score 81 in round six versus the Broncos. Uh, and like you said before, versus the Broncos, um, most everyone just scores pretty well. <laughs> Obviously, Cleary's not there, so he's going to be a pretty dominant playmaker. I really like him as just a, if you needed to make a downgrade to do something somewhere else, and it's a guy that you can plug and play for a few weeks, and you're definitely going to play this week for potential big score, pod score. I actually really like it as mm. far as your downgrade options go. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, it was you know a nice target earlier on in the year, and then it was just, you know, Cleary stole the show from him. So we haven't really got to see too much of a him without Cleary still in the show. But I know Cleary's due back, but I think even without with Cleary coming back, I still think that Jerome could be a really, really good um thing for super coach side and, and particularly for the Panthers, just because if you're gonna rest um someone towards the back end, you might be resting Cleary, you know but you can you can comfortably play you know Jerome each week as the Panthers and I think he's a great option, man. He's a really good 5'8". He loves to run. You haven't seen him sort of hogging the ball as much, which I'd like to see him run a bit more, and I reckon we probably will see that. Yeah, I, I love the value at 359. Um, when you're looking... Yeah, the price is stupid. Oh, it's crazy. Like it's, there's been a lot of guys like that that have really dropped to a real low level where it's almost it's been too cheap to ignore them. Um, mm. Nofo at 370. Nofo, yeah. Another one. Um, as far as starting goes, like I already mentioned that I, I bench kick out quite a bit. I imagine you you do as well. Um, yep. I'm going to be playing him this week against the Broncos, against that edge. He's gone 95 and 67 the last two weeks. Uh, I can't see him not scoring a try against the Broncos edge this week. I really, really, really like him as a play. Yeah. Um, I think he's a good play for the Broncos. I wouldn't encourage anyone to get Kikau in their side. Do not buy him. <laughs> um, don't buy Kikau. Like, it's very emotional for myself. And the only reason Barnsley got him is probably because there wasn't a great deal of other cheaper options to try and get prepared for round 13. Yep. You know, some other people, you know, might have went like a Je- uh, Jesse, uh, not Jesse, a Kenny Bromwich at a similar price. They're both really stinking it up. So, uh, for the most. So, yeah, don't get Kikau. If you've got Kikau, you could play him. Uh, Brian Toto. With confidence. Now, he's 
coming off 88 points on the weekend, uh, scored a line break try. And this is one of the great things about Brian Tyler. I've seen a couple of te- teams lately that, that haven't actually got him. And I've sort of said, sell Alex Johnson to him. And on one of the chats that we we're involved in, I said that to someone. Um, it's, mm. it's a great week for him because, you know, he, he basically throws up like an 88, 90 odd when, he does score a try. And if he doesn't, he just gives you 66 without any attack like the week before. Playing against the Broncos, like, you'd back him in for a try all day. So this screams of another Brian Toto ton. He's got four already this year. Um, the last time he scored the Broncos, he didn't score a try. Some people would say, oh, that's not good. I actually think it's great because the likelihood that he's going to play two games this year against the Brisbane Broncos and not get a try out of one of them is almost slim to none. So I love him this week um, to the point that if he... If you didn't own Turbo and you had someone later in the week that you're going to see, or I actually reckon that he would be a VC option, or if they played earlier in the week, it's just probably too hard for a lot of teams mm. to do. Yeah. I mean, you could almost be brave and captain him. I did captain Toto once a year in the year. He didn't go massive or anything. He just got like an average sort of 80 or 90 or something, which you take. But it was just one of those ones I had a weird feeling about. But, yeah, it's not really – you can't really uh, captain – um, uh, centers or wingers, in my opinion, seems that people sort of taken, you know, like Alex Johnson as a over a Cody or something. I reckon that's so risky doing. Well, this. especially Johnson because but. he's got such a low base. So the good thing with with Tyo is forty two raw base plus his tackle breaks is just insane. Like you know that you're going to get, you know, your sixty plus, you know, as a bad score sort of thing. Yeah, he, he's um he's so lovable as well. Like uh, such a great guy to have in uh, Panther side as a Panthers fan. He's just I love him and Jerome. I think they're very very different, but they're like two peas in a pod. Yeah, uh, struck gold and super coach gold with him this year. Look, uh, I don't care that Cleary's not there. As far as top sport goes, you know, you're getting all over the Panthers. Um, and not only that, like I think that. Toto and Kikau are both pretty good on the markets as well. But the Panthers are minus 19.5. The Broncos have obviously played a bit better lately. and But I think that Luai back is a, is a big key for them to be able to get another sort of 20-point type of win. Uh, but when you're looking at the try-scorer markets, geez, there's some nice some nice odds for the try-scorers. Brian Toto, $1.52. Some would say that's low. I'd say it's just money in the bank. But Billy Kikau, $2.20. Mm. Um, I really like that because the Broncos' edges are terrible. Like, I think he goes great at two loss 20. Yeah, I think he can get one, especially with Jerome. I think he'll get even, like, he got some decent ball last week. That, I was surprised, actually. It was a bit of a forced play for me to have him to play him last week. But he, he hasn't been sort of getting great ball off the other guys. Like, and it seemed like that was the message, get him good ball. So, yeah, I think he'll he'll, he'll definitely cross for one. Oh, I can't say <laughs> People sitting there going, all right. This guy's coming first in Supercoach. He said he's definitely going to bloody score. I'll go put bloody 20 grand on it. Don't, yeah, I don't. I like it. I like it. You would have loved it last week. He scored so early. Oh, it's because I didn't play him. It just killed me. And then that second try just really, like, again, Lolo and uh, kick out on my bench. And I had to play Ryan James. It was a real, it was a stinger of a week. But, um, yeah, let's move on. I don't want to talk about kicking. He's probably been the worst trap of the year, Ryan James, I reckon. They oh. rushed him in after round one performance. He was awful. Like, it's, it's just... And the thing was, because he's a front row forward too, you just, like, you don't want to spend trades to bother. So, like, yeah. I've got three front row forwards I can play. I'm not going to spend a trade on that fourth one to get rid of Ryan James. So he just ends up rotting there. And it's, oh, man, it's bad. Because if I could have got an AE, like, I was praying that he was going to get named out of the side because, 
like my AE would have been like you know a seventy two from Tamalolo. Yeah, but anyway, um, Dragons Titans second last game. Um, this one doesn't have as many options in it, but as a pot option, the one that Billy brought up last week and said, you know, you need to have a look at him this week, and I agree with him. Um, complete pod, Corey Thompson, couple of percent owned, four hundred seventy-five thousand. Now, at the start of the year, he obviously was killing it. Um, he didn't have any scores below fifty in his first seven games before he got injured in his eighth game. And he actually had two tons out of those first seven games of 104 and 110. By all accounts, he was killing it. He was averaging um, 75 points, I think it was. He's down to 64 points because of his last few scores. But he's coming up against the Dragons this week. Then he's got the Bulldogs and then he's got the Cowboys. It's that marvellous three-week run that the Titans have. So as far as pod center wing buys go, he had the base and the base attack to back it up at the start of the year. And he hasn't scored a try since he's come back in his last two games, but he's got three plush games coming up. So I think that he's a real big pod play in your center wing if you if you can't decide on someone or you've got the other big guns in there already for this week against the Dragons. Does he have much of a um, a flaw in him? I, I know with the early part of the year, I remember just before he got injured, he was starting to look really good. And I know um, a couple of people, I think uh, Ado got him into his side and then he got injured that week, which was unfortunate for him. But... um. Yeah, I remember I remember liking him that much that I almost considered getting Philip Sammy just because I was wondering how much was it the left side on that wing or how much was it him. But I think it was definitely proven now that it was a lot, a lot of his work. He likes to do those little evasive little runs back in field as yeah. well when he sort of gets overran. His base base attack. So he never, doesn't surrender. Yeah, he gets those tackle breaks in there and those little runs. So like... He scored 44 and 37 the last two games since his return, and none, and they had no attack. In it. it was just his tackle breaks and his runs. Yeah, he's definitely a good pot option. They've just got to um, they've got a lot of attack in them. Uh, um, the Titans. They just the tough thing is is if they're getting that much of a hiding, that sometimes you can lose that much momentum. You don't get the ball when you're just sitting there tackling. You might be stuck out in the wing all body day, running backwards and forwards, doing kick returns. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that you can only play for the matchups, yeah, um, which is probably the next three weeks mainly. Um, but another guy that you can um, buy this week from the Titans side is David Fafida. I tell you what, this is the week to get him. If you're going to get David Fafida in, I think you've got to do it this week. Um, even though he's got a B of 98, uh, he's got the Dragons, Dogs and Cowboys. And then they have two harder games against South and the Storm. So I just don't think that you can afford to not get him in this three-game run that they've got. And he's reasonably cheap for what he's been producing at 650k now, so I I love him as a buy this week, and I actually think that he's a, a bit of a dark horse captain that I don't think many are going to get on because of the likes of the turbos and, and Cody Walkers and so forth. I think he's going to be a bit forgotten this week, mm. but against the Dragons, I, I mean I love him. I'm I'm buying him this week myself. Yeah, he's probably not someone I can ever captain again after my round 15 disaster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, that really hurt me, man. So. Um... But it wasn't so much that he did so bad. It was just that Tommy did so well. And now, yeah, he's been getting those sort of averagey, sort of decent scores that you'll take. But he's got to be due to start getting those, um, you know, two, three, try, 100-plus games again soon, I reckon. And this is probably one of them. Yeah, he hasn't had a 100-plus uh, since um, the Souths game in round seven. He's put up 153 points. So maybe that game in, in four weeks' time isn't that bad against Souths since he put up his best score against them, you know? It's crazy, um, but 
Yeah, look, I, I really like him this week. Um, he's probably the only guy that you could look at as a potential sort of C option, though, out of this game. But one guy for the start and sit that I'm going to mention, um, a lot of people were disappointed in Ben Hunt recently. Um, he ended up on 30 points last week and looked like he did nothing, but thankfully he updated to 49. Um, I'm definitely playing him against the Titans this week, and I'm backing him in for a, a much bigger performance. Yeah. Uh, 47 he ended up on last week, and he ended up putting up 14 points against the Dogs in round 14. So I think a lot of people that own him are filthy on him and benching him. Um, I'm going to be starting him as my starting hooker this week. I really like him for this one. Uh, on the top sports side of things, mate, Tim, we've got a real tough game here. I, I really don't know um, what way to go on it, but... The Dragons are big outsiders at two dollars forty-five. Titans at a dollar fifty-seven. I'm I'm leaning towards just going the Titans line um, money line on this one just for the win, dollar fifty-seven. Yeah, I think Titans will win. I, I wouldn't want to decide. I wouldn't want to be deciding how it happens, and I think there'd be a lot of points in the game, um, but I wouldn't want to be yeah, trying to pick a margin or you know more than this or anything like that. I, I just I I confidently reckon they'll win. I just think that this yep. is one that they've got to win, and they sort of. I kind of follow the Titans. <laughs> it's funny. I, I um when I st- when I bought Greg Marshu, I started following the Titans. I got into this fan page, and I've been infiltrating their fan page. So now <laughs> I'm now getting on conversations and stuff with them, like I'm at my second side. But um, it's funny what Supercoach does to you. Isn't yeah, it? it is. But um, yeah, I reckon, and from what I've seen, and because all their fans, you know, I feel like I, I understand what the fans are going through. This is a game they're pretty confident with, mate. So I think they'll get this one done. Oh, good inside fan info from the Titans. Yeah. Look, they're played at home too, which helps them. $1. fifty-seven. I like that. Um, the final game of the round is a little bit of a fizzer, and it seems to happen a lot in the NRL. But the, the Dogs and the Sharks, uh, there isn't a lot to talk about in this one. So as far as the, the sell category and also the start category, and also the real, real big balls C category. It's all the same man, and that's Sean Johnson. Mm-hmm. He, he he was abysmal on the weekend, and a lot of people are looking at rage trading him. I'm going to admit that I thought about it as well. But he is playing the Bulldogs this week. Um, the Bulldogs, despite their recent performances of trying pretty well, they're still going to give up points. Um, it sucks that he doesn't have the goal kicking, but he's coming off only 17 points on the weekend. Look, Against the dogs, you'd back him in to start to get some more clutch attack in there. Um, I, it's a it's a hail mary captaincy, Tim. If you if you're really down in a head to head and you don't have any other options, you know he's the guy to go to. But certainly, I'm I'm just going to say to people that you don't like. He's got 115 be. I wouldn't sell him this week. I think that you need to start him and just see if you can get some of the SJ magic going against the dogs. Yeah, I think it's a good one to play him in as well. Um... He's not kicking. He didn't kick last week. He didn't kick the week before. Um, but you know, who's to say he's not going to be kicking this week or next week? It all it just takes is just for that you know injury or for you know the like Matt Moylan's probably back soon, right? So John yeah, that's right. Back. He's meant to be pretty close. So okay. if that happens, then um, Trindle will go out and then you'll get the kicking back. So yeah, so I think that's something. If people are worried about that, then they've got. That to look forward to as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's a funny one too because it's it's a bit of a worry that, that this has coincided with him signing with the Warriors. Um, you know, his form drop sort of started a couple of weeks ago when it came out that he'd signed with the Warriors, and he's only had fifty-one and seventeen points those two weeks. Are you much for you know, not quite superstition, but the thought that 
you know, when guys sign that they're leaving, they might check out, especially when they didn't get offered a contract where they currently are. You think that might be part of I don't reckon they part of check SJ? out. I know a lot of people have of that thought, and it, it kind of does make sense in a lot of ways too, but you're playing on the biggest stage in the world. You're still going to want to play well. I think it more comes from when you're on contract, there's just this absolute uh, pressure, and uh, you're probably really, really, really focused on your individual performance. So, and doing individual things when you're on, um, when you're on, uh, when you're off contract, which might incline you to, you know, steal the show and do more great things. Whereas he, uh, although it, he's not having a great game, maybe he's doing a position that better serves the side at the moment or what he's doing, his role. He might not be doing it as well as he should be, but maybe his role's, I don't know, somewhat changed or something within the side now that Trindle's come in and stuff like that. I, I certainly can't think that a player's just like, oh, I'm just going to turn up and do the bare minimum that's required of me. That doesn't really make sense. Not on the big stage. Are you playing rugby league yeah. and people watching you on television? Like I'm getting, I'll get embarrassed the fact that people are listening to this. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so if you're having everyone on television watch you, I don't think you'd want to, you'd be pretty worried about what you're doing. Well, as far as the game goes for, the rest of the players, I don't think there's a huge many to talk about, but I will go to the top spot better the week here. The 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 Bulldogs are actually big outsiders at 380, and the Sharks haven't been playing too well. You could actually get the Bulldogs plus 20.5 and, and still get a dollar fifty-eight on that. So I actually quite like that. I think that the Dogs aren't going to get towed up. They did pretty well against South last week, and the Sharks aren't that fantastic. For me, I can't bet on Sharks um, as a thing and especially not dogs and um sharks i i think it's about 2017 maybe i had um i was doing a ten thousand dollar challenge and so i'd start with fifty dollars and win that bet put yep. yeah kept going kept going kept going i was up to my last bet it was about uh six thousand eight hundred and i had that just on um like a real short uh, Cronulla, Cronulla, like a good Cronulla, like this was a solid Cronulla team, like when they were really a very good side. Premiership, yeah, premiership yeah. contender, yeah. And they lost to the Dogs, and it, <laughs> and I was sitting, oh, man. yeah, I was sitting in a um, sitting in a pub by myself because my I didn't have Fox still back in that day, <laughs> and so I'd go to the pub on some games to watch, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd by myself, and I just was getting absolutely roasted for by a group of boys for me getting emotional about, like, yes, or no, and yes, and no. I've got all these like, scarred memories, so I just don't do it. Well, that's fair enough. We've all got those stories. South making on my list from last week, it probably cost me about five grand off about $10. So oh. ah, it, it happens. So all right, that's that's the podcast. So thanks very much for coming on. It's really great to get um to get you chatting after such a good season and stuff and to hear a bit of your insight on how your season's gone and everything in the number one spot now. So appreciate you coming on and what you do on the, the Supercoach Experience podcast, which is fantastic as well. Awesome, man. Yeah, really glad to uh, have had the opportunity to do that. So, yeah, thanks for asking me, man. Thank you. Good luck for the rest of the season, mate. Hope you finish, finish one by round 25. My man, thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You can uh, download or stream us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Follow us on Twitter as well, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And like we said, Top Sport, fantastic partner of the All Stars podcast, SC All Stars is your promo code if you're going to create an account there. 
that's us for round 19. We'll be back in round 20 with a, another guest on board. And hopefully, hopefully we'll get Billy Marion back on in a couple of weeks as well. But until then, good luck with your final trades in the next couple of weeks. Don't waste them this week if you don't have to. I'm sure you've got a lot of options. Good luck. Look forward to chatting about it all again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid.